Today's episode is presented by Veyer. Veyer was founded with the goal of building an affordable everyday wristwatch that blends tasteful design with extreme durability and functionality. It returns a sense of dignity to affordable wristwatches and are built to last. It is a true American wristwatch company specializing in both quartz and automatic watches. Veyer is offering our listeners 15% off if you use the code PODGO15. Go to VeyerWatches.com. Veyer is V-A-E-R Watches.com to learn more and get your new timepiece today. You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Q&E Podcast. You're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. I got Egga on the other line. Egga, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E Podcast. Quincy got a new mic, and you definitely sound good. Like, you sound way different than you usually do. So you didn't sound bad. You never sounded bad, but you sound super clear now. So I'm, I'm loving the mic. Hey man, appreciate that. We know y'all already know we got to keep the high quality for y'all. Edgar gonna get his mic soon, bro. So it's gonna be definitely high quality audio from going uh, going forward, man. So before we get into our topics, I definitely want to say rest in peace to three legends, man. Chadwick Boseman, we lost a a black superhero in the community. John Thompson, a former coach from Georgetown, man, had a lot of impact on the black community as well. He had a lot of people thinking that Georgetown was an HBCU at one point, man. So he definitely definitely shook the culture, man. And obviously, uh, Cliff Robinson, former Blazer, former All-Star in the NBA, he he lost his life as well. Or he passed away. I don't know from what, though. I think it was from cancer. What did did Cliff Robinson die from? I forgot. I read the article, but I forgot. I want to say it was cancer. But I know he did pass away, so still R.I.P. To uh, all three of the legends. We're going to get uh, back into chat with Bozeman, that topic yeah. in the entertainment section. Though. We are, we're definitely going to dive back into that. But first, let's start off with the breaking news of Thursday, which is the Steve Nash signing with the Brooklyn Nets as the head coach of the team. Edgar, bro, your first reaction to the news. I was wrong. I'll admit that. We can title this episode, Edgar was actually <laughs> We can title it that. I thought it was going to be Pop. I heard rumors that Pop was selling his San Antonio mansion. You know, I heard executive sources saying that Pop was looking at different places and Brooklyn was at the top of his list. You know what I'm saying? And I just felt like that was based off of the scenario I felt like what happened. I felt like that was the perfect place for him to go. But the exact opposite happened. Steve Nash <laughs> got the job this morning. And I was like, I take that to the chin. I was wrong with that. I was wrong. So I'll admit, hey, I, I'm hey. willing to admit that. Hey, when I tell y'all, this man was tagging me in everything on Facebook, on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever news uh, he got on pop, bro. This man was tagging me in everything. So I told him he got he got a. I was making pop. sense. I was making sense the whole time. He didn't want to give me my flowers when I was making sense. Now that I'm wrong, now he want to talk about it, bro. Because I kept telling him like it's not happening, my nigga. It was it was, it was never happening. I just couldn't see Pop at 70-plus years old going to play with a headache of Kyrie Irving or the, the personality and the perception we have of Kyrie Irving of being a headache and with KD. I couldn't see it be, him being so old, bro. I could never see it. That's why I was like, bro, I it's like not it happening. Situation. I felt like it was perfect. The talent made it, perf- made it a good situation, but the attitudes, everything that you were probably going to be going through that season, I couldn't see it coming together. Bro. I felt like the talent – on the team, and the competition of it being the East, I feel like he definitely could have been a top five team easily. 
like in the East, and I feel like the road to the finals in the East would have been so much easier for Pop if he would have went to Brooklyn. But mm. he's been with San Antonio this whole time, so I can't be too surprised that he actually stayed and just want to end his career there. So, But what you can take from him selling his San Antonio mansion is probably that he's probably done after oh, yeah. this season. That's probably what you can take from him. If he's not going to another team, he's probably done. I want to say he's coaching in the Olympics because the Olympics is not this summer, it's next summer. So I think he's going to coach the Olympics team, but I think selling his match is telling you that he's done in San Antonio, though. Yeah. And uh, definitely going to be sad to see him go, man, being one of the greatest, definitely the GOAT to me in the NBA, definitely the greatest coach I've ever seen, bro. So it's definitely going to be sad to see him go, bro, eventually. But how do you feel about the Nash signing? How do you feel like it would be a good – do you think it would be a good fit in Brooklyn? I mean – Steve Nash doesn't have any coaching experience, so all I can go off of is the face value of it being Steve Nash and the career that we know Nash to have of being that tough, resilient, uh, that tough, resilient point guard who is an MVP winner, who has been to playoff appearances and whatnot. So I feel like his his IQ is there to be able to lead a team, and it's going to be a first. It's going to be a good first challenge because, like you said, the the conception of Kyrie being a headache with the personality of KD, that's going to be a tough first assignment for anybody, even a Greg Popovich. So yeah. I feel like Steve Nash got his hands full with this one, but yeah. I, I'm interested to see how this will work. I feel like it'll be pretty good. Because we've seen first-time head coaches go in, and obviously we've seen them flop, but we've seen – we had some outliers that have obviously exceeded expectations, being the one like Steve Kerr going to Golden State and flourishing with that team. But I think he will flop more than he will exceed expectations. I don't, I don't think this is a good pairing for Steve Nash, being that this is his first coaching job. I think Steve Kerr going to Golden State where you got – it's an easy system. You know how you're going to play, fast pace. It's Steph Curry. Like, everything is real simple there. But you got to figure a lot of things out if you're Steve Nash. Like, how right. are you going to play Kyrie? How are you going to fit Karis LeVert? How are you going to play Dinwiddie? What's going to be your closing lineup? It's a lot of questions that have to be answered throughout the season that Steve Kerr didn't have to go through when he went to go to state. Because a lot of people say that this is a Tony Dungy, uh, John Gruden situation that it was in Golden State. Like, man, that's Mark Jackson team, but you, you just elevated it to be a championship team. You know what I'm saying? It's the same situation. You really didn't do anything, but you already had the pieces in line. Right. You damn near walked into a perfect situation. Almost. Exactly. It, was, it was just your job to not mess it up. Exactly. Good. And I feel that's the same thing how it, how it's, uh, how it wasn't, yeah, like you said, in Golden State. But this is not how it is in Brooklyn, though. Well, Brooklyn, he, got to, he has to piece the things together himself because we, we don't know how that's going to fit yet. It could come together beautifully. We don't know how. We've never seen the pairing of Kyrie and KD on the court together. So it come, could come together great. But I just don't know yet. And like I said, with the Dinwiddie pieces, with the Karis Laverse pieces, DeAndre Jordan, uh, Jared Allen, who's going to start at center, you have a lot of questions if you're, if you're uh, Steve Nash right now. So Plus, I, I feel like it, KD and Kyrie, there's been so much off-season time for both of them now. So where it's like, even if they're not physically meeting up to do anything, you have no excuse to not at least mentally get to know your new teammate, especially y'all are two big names in the NBA, like KD arguably number one, number two player in the league. And then Kyrie, you know, he's always in the debate of best point guard in the league. Like, you guys have high statuses in the league right now. And everybody's waiting on both of y'all to return for next Mm -hmm. season. So I feel like mentally over this long period of time that we're going to have of y'all preparing to play with each other, you should mentally 
know that person by now. So I yeah. feel like on their part, that should be what Steve Nash should walk into. He should walk into a situation where KD and Kyrie already, they click in mentally. It's just going to take them physically getting used to each other. Mm-hmm. But do you think this move puts them into title contention? So are they coming well, out of the East next season? The talent, talent reasons alone, the Nets are going to be in talent on in uh, championship discussion. So you see no chemistry issues at all for this team next season? I, I see chemistry issues, but we've seen chemistry issues be beaten by talent at the end of the day. Shaq and Kobe. As long as you win it, as long as you win it, it's yeah, there. As long as you win it, it, it's there. You know what I'm saying? Even when, even if uh, the relationships are beyond the players. Like, I remember Shaq even saying one time on the Heat, Pat, him and Pat Riley didn't see eye to eye with a lot of stuff, but the, the organization did what needed to be done. So no matter how different relationships are in the organization, if you're winning at the end of the day and the talent is proven to do what it's supposed to do, I feel like you can out, you can beat the chemistry out any day. Mm. I think it's a lot of challengers out East, but I don't know if I would give them the Eastern Conference yet. Like I said, I have to see it on court first. I have to see it on court first. Because like you said, talent-wise, they do have it. Do I I think they would win it? Now, that'll come to who you just want to pick. But I I know they're the favorites. They're definitely going to be the favorites. I'm liking how them Celtics looking, dog. I'm really liking how them Celtics. So I will lean toward the Celtics right now for uh, next year. I'm telling you, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, a healthy KD and a healthy Kyrie with Steve Nash and coach. I, I feel like that's, that's favorites. KD going to be the favorite because it's the East and it's KD. That's yeah. automatically going to be the, a reason why they're the favorite anyway. But, but, bro, but, bro, a lot of people don't – I don't know why people really aren't asking the question of will KD be the same when he comes back? We've seen a lot of players come back from the Achilles injury and not be the same player. So we're expecting KD to be the top uh, top three player that he was when he got hurt. But it's like, will KD be at that same level coming back from the Achilles injury? We haven't seen anybody come back to that level. Only question level. I have for KD is can he be that player defensively? Offensively, I'm not worried about KD at all. KD is – the most unstoppable scorer that we've ever seen in the history of basketball. He's going to remain that. Unless this man literally messes up his shooting arm, I'm not worried about him when it comes to offensively being what he has been this whole time. Only question mark I have for him is defensively. Can he can he beat certain uh certain pick and rolls better now? Can he uh when he's one on one with people like is it easier for people to get by him now on that weak side, you know? So that's the only thing I'm worried about him. Uh, defensively, but offensively, mm-hmm. I'm not worried at all. He's gonna be the same. Baby. That's one. That's another thing. I don't. That, this is something I really do not want to make a prediction on, bro, because we have nothing to fall back on when, uh, yeah, when when it when it comes when it comes to seeing somebody return from injury. Like when Kobe had it, he wasn't the same Kobe. Even though Kobe was older, we had we didn't see him when Demarcus but got Kobe, it. Kobe was riddled with injuries. I feel like the Kobe situation different. It wasn't just one injury with Kobe. It was like his body was being abused like over the years. It was just that last injury that just really put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, but still, man, that Achilles injury that's that's a bear to come to overcome, bro. So it's still that's something I really don't want to predict yet. Like I said, that's another thing I just want to see. But Stephen A. brought up a point today, bro, on first take about white privilege. And he was saying that a lot of coaches, a lot of black coaches like the Mark Jackson, the Ty Lewis, the who else, the Sam Cassells were overlooked in this situation and could have probably been better fits for this Nets team, but they went to Steve Nash first, bro. So what is your opinion on that? And do you think white privilege played a part in this situation? I honestly 
I think it's a yes and no answer to that. I feel like to a certain extent, yes, white privilege probably did play a factor because, like you said, there are black coaches right now who are unhired still at the moment. But I feel like race wasn't that big of a factor in this situation because it's Steve Nash. Like, we know the IQ as a player of Steve Nash. We know Steve Nash is a, a loved face in the league of the NBA, and he's he's put a, he put an application out, and – he just he was the one that got accepted. I feel like the track record of him as a player speaks loud enough and his mental capacity as a basketball expert, I feel like that speaks volumes for him to be able to get a head coaching job. I don't feel like race played too big of a factor. It played a factor, obviously, but mm-hmm. I don't think it was the main thing that got him hired. And I agree with that, bro. Like, Stephen A could have – like, if it was like somebody like a Taylor Jenkins from Memphis, if somebody like that got signed – with uh, this Brooklyn team. I would have been in full agreement with Stephen A. Like, yeah, black coaches need to get their chance in the NBA. But it's Steve Nash, though, and a lot of black folks rock with Steve Hemp. So if you brought in anybody, any other white coach who wasn't an elite player in the game, like Stephen A., I agree with you. But when it's Steve Nash, we see his game, we know his pedigree, and we know his mind, bro. He respected full circle. MVP player, all of that. So. Exactly. We know where his mind is, and we've never seen it before. With a lot of coaches that you're naming, we've seen them in the NBA, and we haven't seen them at the elite potential. So that's why he's getting a try now. Will he flop? Will he get to a championship? We don't know that yet. But we have to see what he can do in the NBA. When it comes to the other coaches, we've already seen what they can do in the NBA. Even though they could exceed with this team, we haven't seen it. So that's why I think Steve has to get his shot first before we start giving the pins. And it was the same thing with Jason Kidd. When Jason Kidd got out of the league, I want to say it was one or two years after he got out of the league, he was yeah. signed by uh, Milwaukee. Uh, like, he did an all right job when he had Giannis. He did all right, but you had to give him a shot at least because of his pedigree and of his mind. And he's been around a lot of great coaches. And one thing I want to say to that is when you're a player and you play a certain amount of years in the league, you become a player coach. Like whether people think it or not, LeBron, we know LeBron James is a player slash coach. And no matter who the coach is of the team he's on, we know LeBron has a huge hand in the decisions that are made when it comes to certain play calls, play styles, and stuff like that. And he's like 35 now. So it's the same thing with Steve Nash and Jason Kidd. They were in the league long enough to where we kind of knew if we're in the locker room at practice one day, we know Jason Kidd is probably helping coach, like, pick out certain plays and do this and that. So I feel like it's a respect thing amongst other coaches in the league that can give a nod and say, hey, he knows what he's talking about. Or I feel like he'll know what he's going to talk about when he gets in the job. You know what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm. And if you really don't have elite talent, even though this next team does have elite talent on their team, when you don't have elite talent, being a player's coach is something that's real big for, obviously, for players, man. So that's why, like, the Doc Rivers is obviously a player's coach. The Steve Kerr's is a player's coach. We're starting to see more player coaches in the NBA now. So it's right. just the trend that is keep being like, it's just keep being written right now. So it's gonna become more of a trend, like even more when we go into the future. You know what I'm saying? So I wouldn't throw race into it. It did play a part because I heard that they actually went and sought him out. Like they really didn't look for the Tyloo. They didn't look for the Cassell. They really just went straight to Steve Nash and said, "Yeah, we want you to come into but our team." He's been showing an interest in coaching for years now. Like. For the past few years, he's been showing an interest in wanting to coach. So he may not have, like, sent an application in, but yeah. he probably made it real noticeable that, hey, if anybody need a coach, like, I want a coach. So I feel like that's all they really needed to go to him at that point. 
And I think the, the system that Steve Nash ran most of his career was the seven seconds or less Dan Tony system. That was the system that he yep. flourished in. So that's the system that he knows inside and out. And I think that system can be real can be real popular and be real great for this team. Because if you get Kyrie and KD and the seven seconds or less offense, like they do in Golden State and like they do in Houston, oh, my goodness, this team putting up 120, 130 a night, easy, just with that system. So I was like, bro, they can really be something if they run in that offense. So that's probably why they brought him in as well for that, for that offense of change. You know what I'm saying? But shout out to Jock Vaughn, though. I think Jock Vaughn, they said he's going back to an assistant coach role. He was the interim coach for the, uh, for the next, but he's going back to assistant. So at least he still got a job, bro. I just didn't want to see that man get, you know what I'm saying, left out on the street after what he yep. did this season. So shout out to him. All right, bro. Did I want to say something else about Steve Nash? I thought I did. But now let's move on. All right, bro. Let's talk about these second round playoff matchups, bro. We in the second uh, round of the we in the second round of the playoffs. But first, let's talk about these game sevens that happened over the past couple of nights, bro. We had Denver and Utah. Man, that came down to the wire in a slugfest, bro. Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray been going at it the whole series, bro. So, how do you feel about the ending of that game, bro? Because it really, it really had me had me going, bro. It was the best playoff series that we've seen so far. Like it, it's nothing, nothing more you can say than that. I picked, I picked Houston and OKC to be the best first round, but so far that that Utah and Denver matchup, I don't think anybody picked that round being as intense. As and look, Florida. and look, and look, we're never going to see another guard matchup like we seen in that first round with Jamal Murray and oh, yeah. Donovan that was Mitchell. Just for the Bro, that was that was both dropping 50, 40 point games. Felt like every night. We're not going to see a guard matchup. That's probably one of the best guard matchups I've ever seen in my life, my G. For Especially real, over the past at least over the past decade. At least. Oh my goodness, they was going at each other. I don't think they were guarding each other for most of the series, but that last game they were actually guarding each other. Man, it was a slug fest, bro. So that was definitely one of my favorite series, bro, for the first round. I because I picked uh I picked Denver to win, but once Utah got that lead, remember I was I was saying it was like I feel the only way they're gonna do it is if Donovan Mitchell gets the help that he needs, and it was mm-hmm. to a point where it was like. Donovan Mitchell wasn't by himself, but when you watch the game, you just feel like it's all on Mitchell. Like if Mitchell doesn't. You mean in Game time, Seven? You mean in Game Seven? I mean just throughout the series, like because once they once they had the lead in the series, I was thinking like I hope they keep it because Denver has so many pieces. You got MPJ, you got Joker, you got um, you got what you call it, uh, Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray, and everything. So it's like there's pieces everywhere for Denver, but with uh with Utah, it's like. If, if Donovan Mitchell don't get it done, it's like, damn, they out of gas almost. So. Oh, oh yeah, he's definitely the catalyst, though. Okay, that's what you're saying. He's the catalyst. Okay. Like oh, if oh. Jamal Murray goes down, or if Jamal oh, Murray okay. have a hot night, like how we seen in Game Seven, Jamal Murray wasn't even the highlight of the night. It was Joker. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, but I feel like with Utah, it's not the same situation. If Donovan Mitchell don't eat. Nine times out of ten, they're not winning the game. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's definitely true. Okay, I agree with you there. Because I was going to say, throughout this series, he's, series he's has, he has been getting help. Like, Mike Conley yeah. in game three through game six was playing, like, fantastic. I want to say game three, he had, like, 27. Game four, he had, like, 26. And I but said... It's, it's, like, to the wins, though. Yeah, yeah. It did, because yeah. in game three and four, they won. That's when they got up 3-1. Yeah. But he started yeah. to slow down a little bit in game five and game six and in game seven. So that's when... Obviously, they lost all three of those games. So I thought Mike Conley was more of a factor. He was more of an X factor than Donovan Mitchell. Because if Donovan, if uh, Mike Conley had a great game, they were winning. Utah was winning the game. 
like, cause you already know what you're going to get out of Donovan Mitchell, like, like right. whatever he was going for that series. I want to say he was averaging 30 something, 35, 36. So, you know what you were getting from him, but you didn't know what you were going to get from Mike Conley every night. When he goes crazy, you win. Yeah. When he, when he goes crazy, you win. When he does, you know what I'm saying? A 16, 15 point game, you lose it. So like he was the X factor throughout this whole series, man. And that's probably why they lost, man. Shout out to Jamal Murray though. Like he was, he was just on fire, bro. It was like every time he touched the ball, it was like before he even got a shot off, I was like, it's going in. Like he he gave me Steph vibes. I was like, it's going in regardless. He just in that zone. He was in that zone for the last three games of the series to where it was like, if the ball is in his hands, it's going in regardless. He can shoot from the logo. It could be a layup. It could be a mid range. It's going in. And he won't shoot from the logo. Now, I wouldn't call that. No, no, I'm just saying, like, he was that hot to oh, where yeah. I feel like if he would have pulled up from the logo, like, I wouldn't oh, be yeah, surprised. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. he, was on, he was on it. And Jamal Murray was hitting moves. I didn't, I didn't know Jamal Murray was this saucy. We seen in the yeah. last playoffs – we seen in the last playoffs that he can he can cook though. Like we seen I didn't know like, his handles was like that. I bro, he was cooking for like he was hezzy uh, by him with a nasty finish, like off the glass. I'm like, bro. It, it was the he way was, he was calling the ISOs. He had Mitchell on him a couple times. He was like, I was like, bro, man, Mitchell gotta feel disrespected at this point. I was like, come on, bro. And it's crazy, bro, because I forgot what show this was, but they were talking about who who does Jamal Murray remind you of, bro? And I think somebody somewhere I heard. They had said Gilbert Arenas. And I was like, that's a good-ass comparison if I'm keeping it a beam, That's bro. good. I can't think of nobody else that I would compare it to. But Gilbert Arenas, I can like, see bro, that. Can Gilbert see Arenas that. is that nigga who can give you, like, 60 in, like, a flash, my nigga. You know what I'm saying? This nigga dropped 50, 50 60 pointers on Kobe. When Kobe was, hit it, was in his prime. So yeah. that was, he was the, that was he was that type of player. So when they said Gilbert Arenas, I was like, damn, he was that nigga who could cook in an instant. You feel what I'm saying? So Jamal Murray's the same person. You know what I'm saying? He can be cooled down, and I think he is somebody who he has to come into the game aggressive. Right. He just he can't come in because every game he doesn't play like this. Like the game game one through game six, he came into the game like I I, I know what I got to do. I know I got to be the guy for this team. But throughout the season, he really let Joker do his thing. Joker is the main right. catalyst. But in the playoffs, he turns a switch and he like, no, nah, I got to take over. Like I'm the clutch. And guy I feel for this like team. I feel like a large part of that was due to everything going on over this entire summer of the protests, the Black Lives Matter movements and everything like that. I feel like not even just him, all of these players, they have an inspiration for the culture right now to just give their absolute best and send a message out after every game. Because you remember at the end of game six, you know, after he dropped that 50 piece, he had on the, I think he'd be wearing, he's wearing them like every single game. Uh, the Breonna Taylor and George Floyd shoes, you know, he broke down, gave that very great emotional interview. And he was just – he that moment where he could have talked about himself and that 50-point game and how he keeping the team alive in the series, like, he took that moment to talk about what matters most. And he wanted to make sure basketball wasn't overshadowing the big picture of what's going on in America. So I feel like that emotional drive is what's giving him that kickstart in this Utah series to make yeah. him say, look, not only do I want to win this series, but I just want to play my heart out for the emotion that I can't show outside of the bubble right now. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, man. But shout out to the Nugs. They ended up getting, getting to the second round, going to play the Clippers in the next round, bro. Who you got? I got the Clippers in six. Clips in five, dog. I told, I told Edgar before, I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but the Clippers are a team that played down the competition a lot. If they come into this series with the right mindset, my nigga, they, they should be done with the Nuggets in five. They, they shouldn't even play with them. 
It's your I, I honestly Williams. feel like I feel like it's gonna go six because Jamal Murray just he on that train right now, bro. Like he, oh. he on that that hot train to where it's like Clippers gonna win. Like I ain't gonna say they're gonna beat the Clippers, but he gonna shot the Clippers for one game. And then it's going to be another game that the Clippers really should just win, and they just don't. They just casually don't win a game one night but because of what you said of playing down to the competition. So I feel like that's what it'll come to. It's going to be one game where Jamal Murray just go off, and then it's going to be another game where it's like the Clippers just weren't playing like the Clippers one night. And I don't know if Kawhi just doesn't like doing this, but he really doesn't like switching on to the best player like a lot of people do. Like, he does it sometimes because uh, in the last series, he did switch on Luka at some key moments. But he really doesn't like guarding uh, the best player when he really feels like he doesn't have to. He lets somebody else guard. But I feel like in this series, if Jamal Murray starts to cook, that man need to – Kawhi need to get on that man ASAP, but it's to kill all that noise. You feel what I'm but saying? This, is, this goes back to the conversation we had, like, what, like two weeks ago when I was telling you what, uh, what Kenny was saying on Inside the NBA. It's like I feel we're in such a pick-and-roll – offense now for basketball in this generation to where nobody truly guards anybody anymore. But this is what I would say. People to guard, and I, I agree. There should be moments in the game where Kawhi's like, I don't give a damn what, what they try to do this one guarding. But to do that throughout the entire game, we just – we won't I'm really not, I'm not that saying anymore. that. I'm talking about when he starts to cook. When he starts to cook, nigga, ain't no switching, nigga. We going oh, over pick yeah, and yeah. We going over pick and roll. But, but this is what I would say. I'm saying the pick and roll is still going to play in effect. Like, it ain't going – you ain't just going to successfully guard this dude. He going to find a way to get that pick to get mm-hmm. the So. But Jamal Murray is not Luka Doncic. I don't think Jamal Murray can cook on anybody like Luka was – Luka was eating on everybody on the Clippers felt like. I don't think Jamal Murray is that same type of player. So you have elite perimeter defenders. Even though they didn't show it last series, even though they was playing around, they have elite perimeter defenders. If you got, you got Pat Bev, you got Marcus Morris, you got PG, you got uh, Kawhi, that's four players that should be switching pick and rolls at all times. So even if you're switching off Kawhi, you're going to get PG. You switch off PG, you're going to get Morris. You're going to switch off, you're going to get Bev. It's like somebody should be popping up that's elite at their position at oh, least. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree so even that. if you switching pick and rolls, Jamal Murray shouldn't be going crazy. Like, I, I, can, I can definitely see one game where he just goes crazy and nobody can touch him. I ain't one game. He can go crazy on – the way these refs have been, he can go crazy on Pat Bell. It'll be to the point where Pat Bell might get in foul trouble. And Pat and, Bell ain't got no point. Yeah. But and I would say that – and honestly, bro, and we can talk about the Clippers right now anyway. Honestly, I like Reggie Jackson for that lineup. I like Reggie Jackson playing with uh, Kawhi, PG, uh, Lou – and Montrez way better than I like Pat Bev because Pat Bev can't shoot like Reggie Jackson. Reggie sure. Jackson is looking like old Reggie Jackson when he was playing with yeah. OKC back in those days when he was the sixth man. He's looking like that Reggie Jackson now. Right. Like, he's starting to hit for real. So I like him playing with that lineup more than I like Pat Bev. But- I agree with that because although defensively, we know what we get with Pat Bev. Pat Bev is one of the most aggravating defenders in the NBA, if not the most aggravating. So you're going to lose that aggressiveness with Reggie Jackson, but I feel like he's way more smarter than Pat Bell. Because, exactly. like I said, Pat Bell would get so aggressive some nights to where he might forget that, hey, I can't get in foul trouble. Even though I know this is the way I play, I have to be conscious about certain times where I get aggressive. Yeah. I feel like Reggie Jackson handles that better. And like you said, offensively, he's much better than Pat Bell. Because when PG was Paul throughout this series – Reggie Jackson was the one picking up a lot of the slack, and he wasn't getting a lot of credit. Reggie Jackson was knocking down him and Shaman, actually. They were knocking down open shots, making smart plays, assisting. 
they were the ones picking up the slacks. I want to say Lou Williams was doing his thing as well. Nothing crazy, but still getting his 15, Lou 16. Lou was giving you Lou Williams. Yeah, Lou. like giving you the regular stats, you feel what I'm saying, when Paul was struggling. So those are the that's the production that you need. But you're not going to get that from, from Pat, though. Pat going to give you the, try to give you the D and try to pester you. But I don't know what's been wrong with his shot. He really can't hit like he was a couple of years ago. Like he yeah. was a knockdown shooter like 40, 39% last a couple of years ago. Now he isn't that anymore. That's why I like Reggie Jackson out there more than I like Pat, even though he gives you the defense. And I don't think Reggie is that bad of a defender, honestly. Mm-hmm. All right, bro. Let's go on to the other game seven. That was Houston. Okay, see that happen last night. Oh, my God. That was probably one of the worst possessions that I've seen in history. <laughs> NBA <Adam>. history. <laughs> Steven Adams, bro, he passed the ball into Steven Adams, and let me show you the picture. I gotta show you the picture. This hey. man had a clear lane to the basket, and he didn't take it. He didn't oh, take yeah. it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we yeah we seen the picture. But if That's y'all if y'all didn't gotta, watch the game, bro, I gotta show it. I gotta show it on the pod for the people who ain't. Yeah, see. look at this. He's lined up like a wideout and everything to the basket. But the and thing about Steven Adams, bro, he's not aggressive. I mean, he's not looking for his own shots. And I've seen this. He was going to get fouled. He was either going to get fouled or he was going to have a wide open shot. That's all it was going to be. I don't even, I can't even, I can't even confirm that, bro. Because Steven Adams, and somebody uh, posted it on Twitter yesterday, man. It was like, Steven Jackson getting 25 million really for just running up the court. Like, Steven Jackson ain't really giving you, not Steven Jackson, but Steven Adams ain't really giving you too much, my G. Like, he's setting picks and he, he running up and down the court, but he ain't giving you too much. Like, he ain't, he barely looks at the rim on offense. So I couldn't tell you what he would have done on that play. Knowing Steven Adams, he would have caught the ball and probably looked for a pass. Just knowing Steven Adams and how he's been playing throughout the series, that's probably what he would have did. Like, everybody is looking at that picture and saying, oh, Steven Jackson would have got a – I mean, Steven Adams would have got a layup. Like, I don't know. I really don't know, bro. I feel like he would have got – he would have got the foul at least. Would he have gotten a wide open layup? I ain't going to say that. Dude definitely would have got fouled, though. Me? I'm passing the ball to CP3. I don't care that PJ Tucker is standing right behind dude. I'm giving the ball to CP3. I don't care. Hey. That would have been my decision. And I posted it on Twitter last night, man. My phrase of the day is, I thought Harden didn't play defense. Agut, I thought my man didn't play defense. What, what happened? Like, my man got the game winning block last night, man. I thought he didn't play defense, though. We can title this episode, Edgar was wrong. We, we can title it that. We can title it that this one time, okay? I'll give you that. I'll give Harden credit for that defensive effort he put in that game. Uh, I feel like he knew he knew he was going to have a lot of criticism if they didn't win it. First off, the way they took the lead in the series, this game should not have gone – I mean, this series should not have gone seven games. It shouldn't have. Even though I, at first I did call it to be the most exciting series, when it got to the point where Houston was just beating the hell out of OKC, I was like, okay, this, this is it. Houston either going to sweep them or win it in five. The fact that CP3 said, nah – we're going to be here a few more nights. <laughs> it just took them seven games. I'm like, Harden cannot lose this series. Because if Harden loses this series, then Tony finna lose his job. And what else? Harden finna have a question mark bigger. Because I, I couldn't even defend him. I couldn't even defend him if he would have lost last night, man. Because he played. <laughs> he played terrible, bro. He didn't take that many shots, but he did. The efficiency wasn't there. The, the three-point shot wasn't falling. It Those was just like. seconds he had a defensive shine at that moment, I was like, that saved him. That, that definitely did. saved him. That did. But it really it really quieted a lot of the critics that say James Harden doesn't show up in the clutch. Even though it wasn't an offensive play, he, he showed up in the clutch. And he yep. made a real smart defensive play, bro. And they, they were showing it on Get Up earlier today how he was, like, playing uh, Steven Adams. And he had to run 20 feet 
to get out to the three-point line to block that shot. It's like, yeah, that was a real smart defensive play by Harden, bro. So, shout out to Harden. They got the win. Uh, I'll, I'll give Harden that. I'll give yeah. him that. He but like, came yeah, but defensively wouldn't matter. It would have been on Harden and Westbrook, man. That would have been a bad look for both. Losing to the first round to Chris Paul in, in the ragtag group of Thunder? Well, I mean, with Russ, I, I don't know if I'll put it on. I mean, Russ, at the end of the day, you came back. So it's going to be put on you. But you came yeah. back kind of late. So I don't know if I can just put no, it on No, this you is like why that. Russ would have got blamed. Because when he came back, that's when oh, they started yeah. to lose. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. when they started to lose. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But it wasn't Russ' fault that they was losing. Oh, no, 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 it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Because it was 2-2 when Russ came back. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, when yeah, Russ he came wasn't. back, it was like, oh, Houston was up 2 nothing. So, yeah. by the time Russ came That's true. back, That's true. it was 2-2. So, I'm like, mm-hmm. it ain't Russ' fault that the series already tied. Like, so. No, nah, but he he caught a lot of flack for game six, though, for them, them last yeah. couple of turnovers. Those are some bad T.O.s by Russ. But they're going on to the next round. Chris Paul, they had a, they had a shot at the win. Like, like Edgar said, he tried to throw it to Steven Adams. Even, but Chris Paul did have a little chippy in the lane that he missed, though, at the end of the game. Uh, so they did have their chances at the end to win it. But James Harden prevailed. But the Houston Rockets will be playing the Los Angeles Lakers in the next round. So, Edgar, who you got and in how many games? Uh, Lakers in six. I'm picking Lakers in six because I feel like it's, we still going to get that L.A.-L.A. matchup for, um, for the Western Conference Finals. So I'm riding with the Lakers to make it to that. And I feel like Houston, they just don't have the bodies. Like, defensively, how are you going to stop AD? We know Bron. You're not stopping Bron and you're not stopping AD. But this is what I I would ask you, bro. Dwight Howard has been very good in the clutch Mm -hmm. recently to where it's like, I don't see P.J. Tucker being elbow to elbow with him in the paint. I don't see anybody stopping them defensively and offensively. Like, I always say Houston lives and dies by the three. And recently, they've been dying a lot by the three. They only survived with OKC because of a bad inbound possession. Like, it's not from them just being outbeaten by OKC. It really came to a, to a nail biter of we not making threes and they keeping up with us. So, can Houston offensively keep that streak of living yes. by the three instead of dying by it? And I think that style is a reason that they can win this series because – if you're playing a, a, a regular style of basketball where you're playing 50-50, where you're getting 50% in the lane and 50% threes, like you're not beating the Lakers. But their style of play where it's mostly threes, that's probably the only way that they can beat the Lakers because that's when because three will always beat two. Three will always beat. And the Lakers are predominantly two-point team. So if you're hitting threes that night, you can beat the Lakers. But this is what I would say about the AD thing, bro. When the Rockets run small ball against the Lakers – the Lakers always go small with AD at center. But if the, if the Lakers stay big and go with those two big lineups, like the uh, AD and JaVale, AD and uh, who else? AD and Dwight. Right. I think that they can win this season, this series, probably in five. That's what but, I'm saying. If they stay big, they can, they can win it easily. But I don't think they will stay big, bro. They always conform because if you go small, bro, if you go with the two big lineup, who's guarding them shooters? You're going to have JaVale McGee guarding Robert Covington? Like, come on. That's a blow-by for Covington every time. So you always got to take away that second big man. And that's why AD is always left to be the big man out there. And if, you, and if you just have AD out there, how aggressive is AD going to be? Yes, AD was eating up on a Portland team. But this, this Houston team, even though they're not big, they're scrappy. And they yeah. will dig in you. And P.J. Tucker is tough. He's going to get a beating this series. But he is tough in that paint, my G. And when they were playing the Lakers in the regular season, I know it's the regular season, 
but they were a good matchup against the Lakers, bro. So it's going to be interesting to see, bro. Before they got pushed to seven game by the Rockets, I was on the ship of the Rockets will push the Lakers to seven. I'm more on the tip now of what you said, uh, not Rockets and seven, Lakers and seven. But now I'm more on the tip of Lakers and six. I think they're, the Lakers are well-rested now. Y'all coming off a hard-fought game against uh, the Thunder. I think right. that will play a huge part in why you only get to six. But before they got to seven with the Thunder, I was thinking Lakers and seven. I was thinking they were going to push them there. But I'll say Lakers and six now, though. But I think that AD aggressiveness will be a, play a huge factor on it because I think Braun will get his – but not like he was against the Thunder. He not not the Thunder, but the damn Blazers. He's not gonna be eating like he was in that series. Like the Rockets got some perimeter defenders for real to guard him. So it's gonna be so it's gonna depend a lot on AD and how he plays. I feel like we're not gonna get the scoring LeBron that we usually see, but I definitely see damn near ten assists every night. Oh, you gonna get that from Brian every night. But will the shooters hit their shots? Another key point. Will the I feel like hit they shots? will. I don't know if it'll be to the point where it's like. They're, they're in a shootout with Houston. I don't see that at all. But mm-hmm. I feel like the clutch threes that are going to need to be hit by KCP and uh, Danny Green, I feel like they'll come into play. And Kuzma has been stepping up. I kept telling everybody, Kuzma is going to step up as the playoffs go on. And he stepped up around the end of that Portland series. And with the well rest that they got now going into this Houston series, I feel like Kuzma will understand, look, we may not need you the entire game, but the few moments that we need you, do what you do. And I feel like Bron going to give Kuz the rock and let Kuz be that clutch player that we knew him to be before LeBron even got to L.A. Man, Bron better keep that damn ball. Don't get that damn ball to Kuz, Bron. Keep that damn ball. Don't get that, Bron. Man, every time I watch Kuz. Kuz going to have some moments in this series, I'm telling you. And that's cool, bro. Kuz can have his moments. But in that Portland series, I didn't see anything that would make me have confidence in Kuz coming into this series. I think this is a better matchup for Kuz being how – Houston plays. I think this is a way better matchup for Kuz. But nothing in the last series made me confident going into this one. Like, he had a lot of four-point games, five-point games. I want to say he had a double-digit game probably once. It was only a five-game series, but still. He didn't give me anything that would give me confidence coming into this one. So he's still an X-factor at the end of the day, too, because if he performs, yeah, Houston could be coming going home earlier than expected, but I don't expect that. So <laughs> Lakers in six, though. Lakers in six. Oh, uh, what else? What else? What else, bro? Second round matchups, bro. Another another good game last night, bro. Miami and Milwaukee went down to the stretch. Whole lot of controversy. Whole lot of foul calls, bro. The middle ten on Dragic shot was a foul. The Dragic on the not Dragic, but the Jimmy Butler and Giannis that was a foul. So, bro, how did you feel about that game last night? Miami up two zero though. Miami up two zero. I've been telling people. The Heat are for real. I see. I'm seeing people on Twitter talking about who would have thought the Heat would have made it this far. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I definitely did. I I called it. I called it. So I'm just glad to see the Heat showing everybody was what's been predicted about them going into the playoffs. And Jimmy Butler is a dog doing what we always expected him to do. Coach Bolstra showing why he was a candidate for Coach of the Year. Uh, Shout shout out to my friend Jonathan, by the way. Because Jonathan swore up and down Arias Bolsa should have won Coach of the Year. And he he might get a you right for me, Loki, because the way Nick hey. Nurse looking right now, I'm like, uh, was hey. that award given too early? But I think that's a bad matchup, matchup for Nick Nurse at the same time, too. But this is what I would say about Spo. Spo is getting a lot of credit now because they're starting to see it. It's on a, a bigger scale, on a 
bigger stage right now. And so a lot of people are like, oh, damn, Spo might be top three. Or he might be the top coach. It's like, yeah, he on a bigger stage. Like, during oh, the he season. he's a top three candidate for me. I'm talking about just top three. Not even for coach of the year. I'm just talking about top three coach. Like, period. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm talking about top three coach. That People are starting to see that. Like, man, he's mm-hmm. he beating Giannis. He clamping Giannis then with this team. It's like, yeah, y'all starting to see my man coach. He's always yeah. been this type of coach. But y'all starting to see it on this bigger stage now. So, yeah, bro, going back to your point. But um, I want I want to uh, single oh, out this one. But before you get into it real quick, I just want to point out, Giannis been melting down. Meltdown in game one? Foul trouble game two? I, I need people to start seeing these question marks that I'm putting on Giannis right now. I just need people to know, number one team in the East, but you struggling with a five team and you down two nothing? But these you, you ain't showing no sign of dominance, and they locking you up. You getting in foul trouble and they locking you up. I need I need people to see these question marks. They they're playing good defense on him. I would say this, but I would say this, bro. I would say this. Giannis needs help a lot and a, and a lot of it because he, he had he still had 30 and 15 last night. So he had a he had a solid game last night, a good game to, for his standards. And they still lost. They should have lost by way more. I don't, the game shouldn't even came down to what it came down to. The Heat should have won by like 10, but exactly. he still needs more help from his other players, like the Middletons, the Bledsoe's. Y'all not stepping up for this man. And I, I guess we can lean into the, the topic of what Scotty, not Scotty Pippen, but the what Richard, Richard Jefferson has said. He was saying that uh, Giannis needs a Jordan and he's more Scotty Pippen than he is a Michael Jordan. So can he be a number one for your team? What do you think? I, I definitely feel like Giannis can be a number one. It's just. I feel like you got to get the job done. It's like other superstars, we don't we don't get that excuse of even if we do get the excuse of they don't have help, we still at, we still present the question of how you gonna get it done. Like you don't got the excellent help around you, but you got good enough help to not be down two one. So yeah. I just feel that's the point that I'm trying to make of work work with what you got right now. This team was good enough to make you first in the East, like in the whole in the whole conference, like you the first seed for a reason. Like, it ain't no that, – that's no coincidence. So, I feel like you can make it happen regardless. And this is what I would say about Giannis. A lot of people say when Giannis get a three-point shot, man, he would be unstoppable. What Giannis need to be working on is them handles. Because them handles are really leaving a lot to be desired when it comes to his handles, dog. He yeah. can't get to the spots he wants to get to because he's getting stopped a lot because he can't dribble like that. So, he getting stopped early. They building that wall and he can't go anywhere. You feel what I'm saying? So we always saying the shot, the shot, the shot. It's like them handles need to be improved too so he can get to that basket when he wants to because he really can't in this series. Like, yeah, he getting in, on, in transition, yeah, he getting to the basket. But, man, when he wants to in half court, the heat stopping that. Well, one player on him too. It's just like, man, he got to work on the handles, dog, if he want to get to the basket. And that's something that I will give Ben Simmons, just bringing Ben Simmons up in this conversation. Ben Simmons got the handles to get to the basket whenever he wants to, but people are sagging off of him so crazy like, but people, but in this series, they're not really sagging off of Giannis like that. They really own him. A, 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 a lot of people yeah. quiet. A lot of people quiet with Giannis right now. I'm like, if this was any other star in the NBA, we'd be having a hell of question marks. But everybody, oh, yeah. real quiet right now. Oh yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I'm like, what is it gonna take? It's gonna take for them to get swept for y'all to actually say something. <laughs> no, no, we're, we're questioning him, but we expected this though because we've seen no improvement from last year. A, a little improvement in the three-point percentage, but no improvement really from last year until this year when it comes came to clutch moments. 
So we really expected this. Like, we don't expect Giannis to have the ball down the stretch of the game. He didn't do it last year. He, did the, he didn't do it this year. So it's like, we need, he needs somebody else. Like, niggas was like, now Middleton got to step up. Middleton, no, Giannis can't be the guy to get, it, get you a bucket at the end of the game. Now Middleton got to get it. So now we got to look at Middleton like, all right, you're getting paid 150 M's now. Uh, are you going to do something for Giannis? Or does Giannis got to do everything for this team? So that's why I'm saying we got to look at others too as well. Not to give Giannis a pass because this is definitely his fault. They're down 2-0 right now. He definitely yeah. needs a lot of blame. But we, we need to be looking at others in this situation as well, though. And what did you say about Richard Jefferson and his comments? Uh, Richard Jefferson was basically saying – uh, you know what I'm saying, Giannis, what do, how do you feel about it, though? How do you feel about oh, it? Oh, I was saying, I don't feel Giannis is a Pippen. I feel like he's definitely a Jordan. Um, mm-hmm. the, the talent in Giannis, he doesn't give me second best player on the team vibes. He gives me the number one face of the franchise vibes. So I completely disagree with Richard Jefferson with that. Yeah. And this is the thing, bro. Giannis is the type of player, like, yes, he, he is a number one. He's not a number two player. He's not a number two player at all. But this is the thing. Even Braun needed a closer for his team. In Miami and in Cleveland, Braun had a closer. It was D-Wade and it was Kyrie. And in other situations before, we've seen others. Like even Shaq. Shaq had Kobe. Shaq, uh, Shaq was the dominant presence throughout the game, and the closer was Kobe. That's how it was. Giannis needs that same type of thing. Shaq was the best player. Braun was the best player, clearly. But they all needed closers on their team. So that, that's the situation. That's how I look at their situation. He doesn't need to go anywhere where he's playing with a, a even better player than him. Like, no. He just needs somebody who can close a game. And Middleton isn't that player or hasn't, or hasn't showed us that he can be that type of player who can get the, his shot when he wants to get his shot. Like, yeah, he's a solid player, but he isn't that clutch player where you can get the ball to him and say, take me there, like a Kyrie is. You feel what I'm saying? So like, he isn't that. I, I feel he's a very great number two player. Do you feel like you have to be a number two player to count as a closer, or can a closer be any player on the court? I mean, mm, that's, that's a tough question. I would prefer it to be your one or two option. I don't want I don't want a role player taking my last shot unless it's like a pat, like a kick out or something like that. You know, Lou Will, Lou Will is a closer. He comes off the bench, though. We know Lou Will is great enough to start if you yeah, want to start. Yeah. But at the same time, at the end of the day, he's a bench player. So he's a bench player, but you could call him in to close the game. So I that, guess I guess it would just depend then, bro. Because Lou Will is somebody you can give him the ball to and say, take me there. So yeah. I would like him to have the ball at the end of the game. So that's a weird situation. Because like you said, the Clippers are just so stacked. So that team is different than a lot of other teams. You know what I'm saying? Usually you have your first two options, and that's, that's who you're throwing it to. So PG and Kawhi, that's who you're throwing it to. But the Clippers so stacked that you, you, you even got Kawhi there. Not Kawhi, but Lou that you can throw it to. So they're different. But, but give me another team. Give me another team, for example. Uh, who's another team that can close? Like, like okay, let's throw, let's throw Dallas, right? Let's throw that, uh, Dallas out there. So you got Luka, obviously, and you got Porzingis. At moments, you can give it to Porzingis as your number two. But do I want to give the ball to Tim Hardaway Jr. and t- tell him to take me there? I, I don't. Trey Burke <laughs> I, huh? No, Trey, Trey Burke. Burke. I think he started one game throughout that series, but he doesn't usually start. Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway Jr., I low-key, I wouldn't. Right now, I probably wouldn't. They can definitely turn into closers in the future. I see the potential in them becoming that. Right now, I would say no. But and, I see the potential in both of them becoming closers. And this is the thing, bro. When you're the first – you're if you're the first or the second option – you're not allowing that to happen. You're not allowing the third player to take the shot. So if you're Kawhi and PG, I'm, I'm not letting uh, Marcus Morris take the last shot. 
unless it's wide open a kick out or a drive or something like that. I'm not letting him take the last shot. Like, this is me. If we lose this game, it's on me. If we win this game, it's on me. That's period. So the first two options have to have that mentality. But the third option, they really shouldn't have that mentality. It really should be more focused on the first two. But I feel like if that's just like, if that was your gameplay before getting to that team, I feel like you should keep that mentality, even though you have to know, hey, I obviously know I'm not the first or second best player on this team, but I know if the ball in my hands, like we're going we gonna to win this game if it's on me. I feel like that's still the mentality you should have if you're already that type of player. If you're, if you're like Marcus Morris, where we know you're not that type of player, then obviously don't try to get that mentality out of nowhere. But this, but this is the thing, bro. Yes, yes, role players can be clutch performers. I don't know if that's what you're trying to ask me. Are you asking me that? Yeah, yeah that's what I'm asking. Like, can a role player be a Oh, clutch yeah. Player? Like, bro, Mario Truman is probably one of the – You have yeah. to be a top two player on the team. Okay, I'm thinking last shot type shit. Like, that's what I'm telling yeah. you. I, I feel like that counts, though, as a closer. Oh, like no. That that's why I said, unless it's a driving kick, I'm not allowing anybody else to test the rock if I'm the first. Perfect first example. Do you feel Mario Chalmers is a closer? Mario Chalmers is a closer, but he's not somebody that I'm giving the ball to and telling me, take me there, letting the clock run out. Like, if I'm, this is the position I'm looking at it. If the clock is 5-4-3-2-1, do I want the ball in Mario Chalmers' hands? No. I do not. Would you be mad if it got in his hands? I know you don't want it in his hands, but would you be mad if it got in his hands? And he if we, that's why I said, if we're driving and kicking and it swing and it get in Mario Chalmers' hands, take the shot. If you're open, take the shot. So off the inbound, you wouldn't want him touching the ball at all? You don't want any excuses on why he touched the ball? Mario like Chalmers? If it, if, like last night with Houston and OKC. Let's say we is we going back in time and we on this Miami team. You got Mario Chalmers, Braun, Wade, uh, Battier, you got all these other players. Mario Chalmers was a key guard on that team. And he was a guard that he hit key shots in big moments in some games. So Chalmers obviously wasn't the first, second, or third best player on that team, but he can close a game. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm asking. Can you be a closer? Can like can we draft you? Not draft you. Can we trade for you? And we know you're not the second or first best player on this team, but you can still close for us. Can but you- but I don't consider Mario Chalmers a closer. He's a clutch performer, but he's not a he's not a closer. Like I said, D Wade is the closer. It's usually that one dude that you know. Like here, you get it. Yeah, you can be a clutch performer and be a role player. That's cool. That's what Mario Chalmers was. Like I said, Mario Chalmers is probably one of the clutchest players that I've ever seen play this game of basketball. So when you say that, it's like yeah, I feel like a a tug in my heart for that. But D Wade was the closer for that team. You want the ball in D Wade hands. Like I said, you want the ball in Kobe hands at the end of the game. And you right. want the ball in Kawhi hands. There's certain closes on the team. If we swing in the ball and it ends up in Mario Chalmers' hands, that's cool. If I'm driving and kicking and if it ends up in Mario Chalmers' hands, that's cool. But if the time is ticking down the clock and it's one-on-one ISO basketball, I do not want the ball in Mario Chalmers' hands. If five, four, three, two, one, no. It need to be in Wade or Brian hands, period. Nobody else. Another thing I thought about with that was in the, uh, the Last Dance documentary when Jordan was talking about when Paxson took that shot. Jordan was pissed, like, before the shot even got out of his hands. Like, Jordan was pissed. He was, he was basically like, I can't believe this dude taking a shot. But that's, that's a paid. different situation, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's getting double teamed. And like I said, that's like a driving kick situation. That's what I'm saying. Okay. That's yeah, a driving kick. That's what I'm saying, driving kick. If you're open, yeah, take the shot. Like, if you're the open man, definitely take the shot. But if it's just one and one, and I'm like, a, it's an ISO. I was just one-on-one defense. I want my best two players to have the ball in their hands. Period. Understandable. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, if, if we, if I'm getting double teamed, if I, I, I drive and you're open in the corner, 
Cool. But if we're if clock is the clock is going down, I want the ball in my best two players' hands, and that and that's period. You know what I'm saying? That's how I would that's how I would go with it. Unless you Lou Will, like I said, we already talked about he's the outlier in that situation. Right. And uh but this is the situation, this is the question I wanted to pose to you, bro, about the, the situation last night with Giannis. So he wasn't guarding Jimmy Butler straight up on that last play. It was Wesley Matthews who was guarding him. But Giannis came over to help and ended up fouling Jimmy Butler. And you heard all the noise that happened in game one. A lot of people was like, why Giannis wasn't guarding Jimmy? Why Giannis wasn't guarding Jimmy? So do you think Giannis was hearing that noise last night of, okay, I, uh, I got to guard Jimmy in this last moment. So that, do you think that's the reason why he came over to help and eventually fouled Jimmy Butler? Do you nah. think that was going in his mind? Nah, I don't feel like that was going through his mind. I feel like he just really wanted to play help defense and not let Jimmy be the one to beat them. Because as a star, it's just – as a star, as a coach, as a player, you have to come to that senses of we're not letting this person beat us. Like, we'll let anybody else on this team beat us, but we're not letting this person beat us. Giannis probably thought that's a mismatch. Like, let me – even if it's not a mismatch – Giannis probably thinking that's a one-on-one situation where I know Jimmy probably going to hit this shot. Let me go over and play help defense so there's no room for error. Like, we know he's not making it if we both on him. I feel like that's what went through Giannis' head. Mm. I actually think Giannis heard the whispers, bro. I think Giannis heard the whispers because if you look at that play, Wesley Matthews played great defense on that play. That's what I'm made- saying. Like, it, it wasn't a mismatch necessarily, but yeah. I feel like that's what made Giannis say, this ain't a mismatch, but I feel like Jimmy's still going to hit this shot. I think he heard the whispers, bro, and that's why he ran over there. Because if if Wesley Matthews is playing great defense and is forcing Jimmy Butler to take a tough step-back shot, if Jimmy makes that, you got to live with it. Like, damn, that's just a tough shot at the end of the day. Ain't nothing I can say. But if but because Giannis ran over there, bro, I'm thinking he was like, no, nah, I got to get over there. They saying I want not play no defense on Jimmy. He probably felt like, man, I would have got to blame again for not guarding Jimmy. So let me come over there and help. You know what I'm saying? And say I, you know, say I was trying to at least to get over there. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like Giannis has been hearing a lot of the things that has been said about him, bro. And even his mentality threw me off the other day when he was saying, uh, now yeah, I'm not gonna guard Jimmy. I'm not gonna guard Jimmy. Unless the, the coach tell me I'm gonna guard Jimmy, I'm not guarding Jimmy. I'm gonna do what the coach say. But I feel like that's smart though. I feel like no, that's not know, bro. If you know your mismatch, like if you, as Giannis, you know you can't guard this person the way you feel you can guard them effectively to help the team, I don't feel like you're wrong for saying that. If you feel like I'm, I'm not guarding him. You're the like, defensive player of the year. You're supposed to be guarding one through five. What do you mean you can't guard Jimmy? Even if you know – even if you're defense, defensive player of the year, you know how to help the team. You know guarding who – like, you know who you should guard and should not guard in certain points or in certain games. Giannis just felt like, look, I don't feel like me guarding Jimmy right now is the best to decision for us to win. I've, I can't be mad at that. I can't. I don't agree, bro. If it's the end of the game and Jimmy cooking, Giannis, you need to be on him, period. Giannis, you got to be on My best defender needs to be on Jimmy Butler when he cooking. That's it. I don't care what your coach say. We've, we've heard many stories when somebody went over to their coach and said, Coach, I'm guarding him. Or even if the coach say, no, you guard him. Like, nah, coach, fuck what you talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to. Like, I know what I can do. That's what Giannis' mentality needs to be at. When you're the defensive player of the year, when you're the MVP, that's what your mindset has to be. But your mindset being a two-time MVP is, nah, I got to listen to the coach. I got to be obedient. I got to do what he says. It's like, nah, man, you need to be scrapping a lot of what that coach need to, is saying, bro, and do what you think is best for the team. 
I have the same mentality for that when, when it comes to that of being the best player and knowing what you need to do. I just feel like he, as the best player on that team, he felt like he knew what he needed to do. He's like, no, I can play great defense by guarding the people who I'm guarding right now and playing defense the way I'm playing. But if y'all want me to do this one-on-one with Jimmy situation, I don't feel like I can help best help the team by doing that. So I, I don't think like he that thinks was, that, that though. He doesn't think that, though. I don't think he thinks that. I, I think he knows he can guard Jimmy, but he just felt like my coach hasn't told me to guard Jimmy, so I'm not going to do anything. And honestly, I think that is a hindrance on him as well. This meant that mentality of I'm going to just do what the coach says. That's a hindrance on his whole entire game and why he always gets stuck in these playoff uh, struggle situations. The best players do like how you said, like they have those moments where it's like, no, nah, I bump that. I'm going to do what I want. Like it's not going to, it's not going to come down to what the coach tell me to do in these last two seconds. I'm going to do what I feel as the best player I should do. So exactly. I, I should get that mentality. Exactly. And that's what holds him back on the offensive end because, man, y'all should be getting the ball in the post every time and forcing a double team. That's what he should be doing. He be trying to get the ball at the top of the key and do that little ugly-ass move and get to the rim, but that shit don't work in the playoffs. He should be trying to get that ball in the post and forcing the double team and passing it out to somebody. If he's anywhere below the free throw line, it's a guarantee, buddy. It's a guarantee, but he doesn't do that in the playoffs. In the playoffs, he's on a perimeter somewhere because that's where he's used to. But his mentality has to change in the playoffs, bro. This is a different game. And that's why he's always been stopped before he gets to what he wants to get to, which is the finals. You know what I'm saying? And I think that being obedient, doing what the coach tell you, I think that's a real hindrance on his game in general. All right, bro. Let's move on to – but who do you have in the series? Uh, I think I picked, uh, I think uh, I picked Miami in six before the, uh, the series. I think I got – did I say he in five or six? I can't remember. I want to say Heat in five. Mm-hmm. I'll say Heat in five. I can't remember my prediction I gave when I first seen the matchup, but right now I'm going with Heat in five. Yeah, I think I said Heat in six, but damn, how the Heat playing? It might be Heat in five, honestly, bro. It might be Heat in five, but I'll stick with uh, Heat in six. I think I, I I'll say what I said to um, Easy last night. If the Heat, I, I don't see this being a sweep, but if the basketball guys somehow make the Miami Heat sweep the Milwaukee Bucks, that Giannis top three player in the league jump, that got to go out the window. I didn't believe that anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of people saying he's a top three player in the league. Well, it right? it, it is. To all, to all of those people, that top three player in the league, John, they got to go out the window. Oh, That's oh, it. most definitely. And this, since it happened back-to-back years, it really should stop the whole situation of giving the MVP for just the regular season. Because now we start to look at Giannis like, damn, nigga, you really ain't that dude I've been to saying the MVP. Though. I've been the one saying, like, we should give a lot of these awards, like, well after the playoffs like yeah we need to really start counting the entire season like the entire season because if you win defensive player of the year but you don't even make it to like let, let's just say not even Giannis for example but let's say Rudy Gobert had one defensive player of the year this year you don't even make it out the first round is like ah. defense player of the year different than uh, MVP though if you MVP is, but I feel like there's still certain standards you have to take with that you know what i'm saying and even but, but let's, let's not say make it out the first round let's say you win defensive player of the year before right before the playoffs start but you get cooked the entire series that you win in the playoffs then that's what i'm looking at you like did you really deserve defense player of the year good point but this is one one thing i remember kg saying kg was like man uh like back in the early 2000s late 90s it was a point when they didn't really give you the MVP unless you made it to the second round. 
So yeah. if you made it or to the Eastern or to the conference finals, so that was like, man, if you lost in the first or second round, man, you weren't going to get MVP. You know what I'm saying? You weren't going to get MVP for that year. They was going to give it to somebody else because you're not really showing us what an MVP should be doing for this league. And that's what they used to do back then. And I feel like that's something that, they, that should return. Oh, yeah. Because, because Giannis is showing that, man, you're doing all this in the regular season, but you keep getting stopped in the playoffs. Maybe you're not the most valuable player like we've seen that you can be in the regular season. And, yeah, that top three conversation need to stop. I don't even think he's top five now. I, I think I've said this before. I, I got I, I ain't gonna say that. I ain't gonna say that. He top five. I got I got AD and Harden above uh above Giannis when it comes to uh, top five. My top five: Bron, Kawhi, Harden, AD, Giannis. That's my top five. Did you put Steph? I'm talking about right now, like right in now. the playoffs. Like right now in the playoffs, or you talking about? I was injured? talking about. I was talking about top five. Period. Oh, you including injured players and all? Yeah, I'm including. Oh, yeah, 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 top five. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would have. I would have. Yeah, have Steph. I would have Steph in there, KD in there. I'm uh, just counting. I'm counting all players who are actually playing right now. That's why I say. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. I want not next year when everybody's back. Giannis not top six. Like, oh, <laughs> not top six or seven. And like I said, I would probably throw Dame above him right now, bro, because I seen what Dame can do in the playoffs. Oh, that's crazy. I, I would throw Dame, bro. Dame can perform in the playoffs, bro. And he, I know what he can do in clutch moments. I can't take that away from you. I can't, I can't take that away. So I would probably I put Dame above Dennis. I feel like that's a reach. I feel like it's, it's uh-huh. a reach, but it's not a, it's not a crazy reach. Ah, uh, bro. I think he is, though. It, it's, uh, like the, he. it's like the remote over there, and you got to reach a little bit to get it. It's that kind of reach. <laughs> Exactly. All right, man. And uh, the, the last series, bro, we got Boston versus Toronto, bro. You got – I think Boston up 2-0 right now. I had Toronto in six. Yeah. But Boston probably finna win this bitch in five. Not even going <laughs> to you. And like I was talking about Nick Nurse earlier, I might have to apologize to Jonathan because I know you feel like this matchup is tough for the Raptors, but I feel like you coach of the year. And y'all been doing excellent thus far up until now to where I don't feel like they should be down 2 nothing. I feel like it should either be 1-1 or they should be up um, 2 nothing. honestly. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like that's how well the Raptors have been playing and proving themselves. But the fact that you're down 2-0 right now, um, I'm looking at Nick Nurse kind of crazy. I'm like, the- should you have gotten coach of the year or should it have been Eric Spolster, my second option? So. Nah, I think Nurse deserved it, but – in the playoffs, the game slowed down, and you need a star player who is going to take your shots. Like, we just had the conversation about closers. The Raptors do not have one. That last game in game two, it really hurt them to ha- not have a closer because you're, you're putting the game in Van Vliet's hands. You're putting the game in Pascal's hands. And even though Van Vliet is a hell of a player, I don't think he's a closer because, obviously, last year your closer was Kawhi. So now you're giving it to Van Vliet, and I don't think he's that caliber of player, and I don't think Pascal is either. So it's like you don't have a closer to, you know what I'm saying, like the like the Celtics have. The Celtics have Kimball. They got Tatum. You know what I'm saying? They got Brown at some times. So it's like they have players that are built for – they have a team that is built for the playoffs, while the I, Raptors do not. I and need the Raptors them. to win – I need the Raptors to win two games. I need them to win two for me to be confident with Nick Nurse being coach of the year. Like, cause right now I still feel like he deserve it, but if Boston go up three nothing, or if they win this in five, I might take it back and have a question mark of um, should you have gotten it? Yeah. So that that's my take on Nick Nurse. 
Yeah, before the series, I definitely picked Toronto, though. I thought Toronto probably was going to go to the finals, but I had Toronto in, what, six? Probably. I, had, I got Toronto in six. I probably had Toronto in six, but, yeah, probably. I think I think Toronto wins tonight, being that they down 2-0. I don't think they'll – I don't think Nurse going to get them down 3-0. I think Lowry, Baca, all them going to show up. But – they got to play way better defense on Tatum because Tatum been cooking that ass. I mean, bro. Tatum just one of them players you ain't you ain't really got an answer for, bro. Like, <laughs> and, and this is what, I, but it's crazy because you got Siakam though, and Siakam is like a very good matchup against Tatum. I would I would have thought, but shit, he been cooking. But this is what I would say, bro, because I keep hearing people say Tatum is an emerging star. He's an emerging star. Oh no, he like, already. He bro, did. we already had this conversation yeah. before. <laughs> he did that last year. He reached that last year. Bro, he is a superstar right now. Like we, need- we we literally you're right. We had this conversation last year because it was like uh I told you I needed to see that one game from him that really showed me superstar. I said emerging, I was like, I need one game. I don't know what game it needed to be, but I need one game where he just showed me he a dog. He an absolute like I'm here, like this is my moment. And he showed me that game, and I was I agree with you. I was like, okay, he here. Jason Tatum for real. Right. Yeah, so I got to I got to stop seeing emerging he about to be a star like no. Jason Tatum is a superstar right now and it's a high possibility that he gets this team to the finals being their best player. So we need to stop saying soon to be emerging and start saying no, he's a superstar right now in the league. And he is creeping on that top 10 range. I'm not saying he top 10 now, but he's creeping on it right now, bro. I ain't gonna lie. I'll give him one more year. I'll give him one more year before I throw him in the top 10. Unless he just do something crazy and just have, like, an MVP season next year. If he has an MVP season next year, top 10. But if he's not an MVP candidate next season, I'll leave that gap season for him before I give him top 10. Yeah, bro. Tatum Tatum is definitely a superstar, bro. Got to give it to him. But let's move on to football, bro. A lot of football news, so we're going to slide by this, bro. We got Leonard Furness was released by the Jags, but was signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, bro. So, bro, Edgar, how do you feel, bro, being a Bucs fan? It just feels great. You know? Sorry-ass Bucs. It's my moment. Let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me just say it's a Bucs life. Uh, it's always going to be a Bucs life. You know, I'm just real emotional. I'm, I'm loving it. We got the best quarterback to ever play in the history of football on our team. Uh, everybody's finally looking at Mike Evans as a threat after I've been saying he's a threat for all these years. Um, you know, the talent is there. Gronk. I, I, my only problem is we need to keep Gronk out of Ebor. I don't want Gronk going to Ebor on um, Sunday nights after the game. I just need that to be need that to be noted. Uh, <laughs> but uh. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. We got LaShawn. We got Shady McCoy. You know what I'm saying? Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones is still, even though we got Leonard Fournette now, Ronald Jones is going to show that he's a very prime running back in the league right now. I need people to understand that. I said it here first. Uh, Bruce Arians. He's doing a great job bringing everybody in. Everybody just want to come to Tampa at this point. And I, feel I was about like to say, is Bruce Arians really doing a good job if niggas just want to play with Brady? Hey, let, let, me, let me just say this. Everybody, I seen people talking about this morning. They never want to build around Winston. Blah blah blah. Like they couldn't do this when Winston was quarterback. First off, Winston was trash. Second off, like I just said, people want to come to Tampa now. It's not like it's not like the front. I don't believe the Bucks off front office is just pulling off this amazing work. I really feel like players are just looking like, damn, Brady. There, if I got an opportunity to be a free agent. I'm going. Like, if I got an opportunity to be traded, I'm going. I feel like that's the Brady effect taking place. I don't feel like it's the Bucks organization 
making those moves of finally having cap space to do this and cap space to do this. I feel like Tampa has just not been the, a desirable place to play for the past 10 to 15 years. Like, it just hasn't been until now. So that that's why I feel a lot of people need to shut up with the whole name build around Winston, but they want to build around Brady nonsense. You done? Yeah, I'm done. Right. Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Mal. Let me just say that. Super Bowl, we're going to be the first team in history to play a Super Bowl in their own city. I just want to say that. And I'm going. I'm actually going to go. I don't know if I'm going to be inside, but I'm going to be in the, vac- in the vacancy. I'm going to be there. <sighs> you can go ahead. <laughs> this is what I want to say, bro. Because even though that they have a stacked roster, yeah, Brady has no excuse to not be in the Super Bowl. He has no excuse. Like I said, a stacked roster. I think they might have a little too many cooks in that backfield, though, bro. Got a lot of too, a little too much going on in that backfield. You got uh-huh. McCoy that you just brought in. You saying that you're going to stick with Ronald Jones as your number one. And then well, you just bring him. We're gonna stick with him as number one. No, nah, I'm saying that's what I seen. That's a report I seen today. Oh, oh, I thought they said right. Ronald Jones is gonna be the starter going into the season. So you saying you're gonna stick with Ronald Jones, and then and then you're saying that uh, Lashawn McCoy is gonna be an integral part of your offense, and then you're saying that uh, uh, Leonard Fournette is gonna get some carries too. It's like damn, it's a lot going on in that backfield, and you still got other people that want the ball. So are they too? Are there too many cooks, man? In nah, that backfield, I feel like. I feel like this is going to – we're probably going to see a really old-school type offense, like with a halfback running back situation, fullback running back situation. I feel like Bruce Arians got that up his sleeve because what other reason would you have for two very top-tier running backs? Well, I ain't going to say – I'm just saying top-tier in the sense of, of name value. You got two top-tier running backs coming in, and you got a solid running back in Ronald Jones. I don't think we would stack the deck that much with running backs if we weren't going to run a fullback, halfback, or – however you want to do you mean it. Like, halfback, halfback, two running backs. Yeah, halfback, because we ain't, we know they ain't fullbacks, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, just having that type of formation, I feel like we're going to see a lot of that. We're already going to see two tight end formations with O.J. Howard and Gronk. So I feel like we're going to see a lot of old-school type offenses run. Are you If you're already getting two tight ends, that means how many receivers are going to be on the field? If you're already running two tight ends and two running There's backs. There's going to be a lot of rotations. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You're going to see a lot of rotations with this Bucks offense. Like, there's going to be a lot of players coming in and out like every other play. Like, the playbook is going to spread. This is going to be the best Bucks playbook on Madden and in real life that we've seen. <laughs> I don't know how long. This playbook is going to be crazy. It's going to be the number one playbook on Madden. I still don't trust y'all, bro. It's, y'all going to do something to fuck this up. Y'all going to do something to fuck this up. I don't know what it is yet, but y'all going to fuck this up. You're giving me cowboy energy right now. Y'all, y'all going to fuck this up, though. Y'all going to fuck this up. I have, I've never seen the Bucks good. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Bucks do when they have everything stacked their way. You know what I'm saying? They got the up-and-coming defense. They got the stacked offense. It's going to be interesting how everything comes together, bro. Something, I don't know what it is. Knock on wood. Something is going. Something. Something going to happen. I don't know what it is just yet. Cowboy energy, and I don't like it. <laughs> no, nah, I, I. I'm not saying what will go wrong will go wrong, but I feel like something. 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 Something going to happen. That's exactly what you're saying. Like that's, that's exactly what you're saying. Call it what it is. <laughs> All right, bro. So yeah, they got the little Fournette though, but I don't know how big of a role he will be playing. So do you think he'll be a big role? Play a big role. Um, 
I mean, I don't think either of these running backs are going to have a huge role. This is going to be a pass-first offense automatically. But I feel they're each going to be very valuable for what they can provide. Leonard Fournette, I'm trusting with fourth um, fourth and one situations, third and two situations, uh, goal line situations. That's what I'm trusting Leonard Fournette with. Uh, any other the ultra talented Leonard Fournette? You're just using him as a goal line back? No, that, that's not all I want to use him for. I'm saying that's what he's going to be most valuable for. He's the biggest running back out of the three that we have. Mm. So I feel like for that presence alone, that's going to be your most valuable asset, even though we know what you can do like when it comes to long yard gainage and all that type of stuff. Mm. But I feel like other than Fournette being that power presence, I feel like McCoy and Jones are going to be in and out like every other every other two or three downs. They're probably going to rotate like that. What do I want to say? I don't know. Like I said, I don't know, bro. Because, like I said, I just feel like it's too much in the backfield, bro. Too much talent in the backfield. So, somebody's going to have to be the odd man out, in my opinion. Somebody's going to have to be the odd man out. Yeah. Oh, you saying Fournette is the odd man out? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's going to be most valuable when it comes to those we need a yard or two or we need to get into the goal line. Like, Mm. I I feel like that's where – that's me saying he's going to be the odd man out because that's going to be his biggest asset to the team, even though we can do with him. Because I would tell you that McCoy is an odd man out because I feel like Ronald Jones and LaShawn McCoy are real redundant, and is LaShawn McCoy going to stay healthy? So I would say LaShawn McCoy is more the odd man out, and I would use uh, Fournette a lot. <laughs> like I said, you saying you, his, he's most valuable as a goal line, but, man, if I get Leonard Fournette on my team, it's no way that he ain't my number one. Compared to Jones and McCoy – I, I just personally feel like that's where he's going to be most yeah. valuable. I'm and sure he doesn't know the offense yet. Yeah, I'm about to say, and he ain't learned the offense yet. I feel like he'll be he'll be valuable regardless, like no matter what time you play him on the field. But best believe, like we need just just watch. You're gonna be like it's it's fourth and one, and the Bucks got to get a first down. I feel like Leonard Fournette oh, yeah. going to run it back in the back. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, bro. So let's get into some more sports news. We got Yannick Ngakwe was traded to the Vikings from the Jaguars. I think we talked about him before. I think he was going on, uh, going at the owner on Twitter at one time saying, nigga, yeah. you need to trade me type shit. So yeah. we talked about him. So he finally got traded to the Vikings. Uh, so, yeah. And I think they paid him like a, a four-year or five-year deal, like 60 mil. So, yeah, shout out to him for getting that money. Alvin Kamara. Heard a lot of news about Alvin Kamara this week, bro. They've been saying that he could be getting a contract extension. He could be getting traded. So how do you feel about that situation in uh, New Orleans right now? I feel like he's he's kind of like forcing the Saints' hand right now because it's like you either need to give me my money or I'm finna go type situation. I feel like that's what Kamara's head is because once Mark Ingram left, the effect of Alvin Kamara it just wasn't the same anymore because we we know what you can do and we know you only have one asset to you and that's just being the the slot performer that you are at running back. And I feel he doesn't have that power back presence that Mark Ingram provided. Mark Ingram can run for 70 yards, but he can also pound the defensive lineman to get two or three yards. Mm-hmm. Where with Kamara, he doesn't have that same type of dual, dual ability. And I feel like he kind of understands how he's not as big as he was in New Orleans. So I feel like he's at the point where 
y'all can trade me if y'all want, unless y'all gonna give me. But he hasn't asked for a trade. He hasn't asked for. No, a I know trade. he didn't. I know he didn't ask for it, but I feel like he's willing to allow it to happen because he sees he's not thriving in New Orleans like how he once was. So I, I feel like he's open to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a. Like we talked about it before, all the running backs in this upcoming market, bro. Running backs are trying to get paid right now before the season gets started because they know how that running back market is going to look uh, next year. Like we already went through the names. I think Chris Carson, a couple of names already got uh, knocked off the list. I think Joe Mixon got signed to a contract. Dalvin Cook, uh, he's still uh, on the market right now. So it's still some running backs, like the big name running backs that are going to be free agents next year. So running backs want to get their money right now, bro. So I feel like that's the point where – uh, Alvin Kamara is right now. He just want to get his money. And, like, we already know the lifespan or the, the time span of a running back isn't long. Like, you you want to get your money before the injuries and before age starts to catch up to you. So, that's another thing. So, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I just don't feel like he asked for it. Like, I feel like he's just open to it. He's open to it. I understand my role has kind of diminished now on the team a little bit. I'm not putting up the same type of stats that I was a year or two ago but I'm open to a trade unless y'all give me the type of money that I'm going to ask for with a trade. His role hasn't diminished, though. I feel like it, it has to a certain extent. At it's, least just, it's just a different dynamic because he doesn't have – he doesn't have, uh, oh, boy, Ingram. But he's doing, he's getting the same type of usage, though. Uh, I don't know. I don't it's just not it. as effective as in years past because Ingram was the one that – it was like a change of pace type of thing. That's what I'm saying. The, the way it affects the offense is yeah. he doesn't have the same type of effect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But would you pay him top tier quarterback? Not quarterback, running back money. So like a 13, 14 million, would you give it to Kamara? If I'm the Saints. If I'm the, you're the Saints, yeah. You're paying a lot of people. You just paid Taysom Hill 15, huh? And you got Drew Brees for 25. You got uh Michael Thomas getting what 20, 19, 20 mil? If I'm the New Orleans Saints, I'm not paying him top tier money. I would bring in another back that's similar to Mark Ingram, that way they can both flourish. I thought Leonard Fournette was the best running back for them. I thought they should have brought him in they, and have yeah, him be, they, be in that would have brought Leonard Fournette in, you mm. would have had that Mark Ingram presence. Like how you said for Tampa Bay, he'll be that power presence. Mm. Um, Fournette for the Saints would have been that power presence, and Kamara would have did what Kamara always does. So I feel like I wouldn't pay Kamara top dollar. I would just bring in a, a running back that can provide that other – side that Camaro just doesn't have yet. So you wouldn't pay him at all and you would let him leave? No, I well, yeah, in that case, yeah, I wouldn't pay him. Like, because he either going to want I mean, top Because he's, he's expecting, he's expecting like a 12 to 14 range is what I think I've seen. He wants 12 to 14 million. So would you pay him that if you're the, the Saints? And that's not, that's not top, top, because I think McCaffrey's 16. I about to say that's not top, top. Uh, Loki, yeah. Cause you can you can bring somebody else in for that left over cap space. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll pay him that. Saints gotta pay him. Cause if yes, you don't I have tomorrow, I don't know what I you want. I pay him Christian McCaffrey money, but couple couple dollars lower than that, I'll pay that. Yeah, I'll pay him by yeah, about twelve. I'll pay him. That's a the same thing Joe Mixon got because I got Joe Mixon down for a four year forty eight. The same thing Joe Mixon got, I think I would give to tomorrow. Even though I do think Joe Mixon is a better all around running back because I, all he's like a bigger running back. You know what I'm saying? Right. Thicker in the legs and all that, so he can. Pass, he can pass catch, can run through the gaps, he can run through everything, he can be your goal line back. So I think he's a more well-rounded uh, running back, but Kamara does so much for that team, especially with Drew Brees, being that he likes to check down so much, you need somebody like a pass coach, like a Kamara to help him out as well. So I would pay him, I would pay him. 
Um, like I already said, Joe makes it for you 48. So that was something else I had. And also, is the Big Ten coming back? We've been hearing a lot of news swirling, bro, that the Big Ten could be coming back, not at the same time as the other conferences like the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, but they could be coming back like a, a month or two later. So, Edgar, bro, give us an update from what you read from that article. Uh, just an update on whether the Big Ten is coming back or not for the fall. They're really discussing with health officials right now within the Big Ten conference, and they're trying to figure out a safe way for the players and coaches and everybody involved to come back and participate because if they can't come back and compete by October 10th, they will not be eligible for a national championship. And the reason the article said national championship is because if you get one or two more conferences, at least major conferences to come back, I feel like we can have a national championship at that point because you got the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 playing. So I feel like just adding the Big 10 back and maybe one other conference, but the Big 10 alone, like that's like four to five conferences already where, hey, this is usually who we have in national conference on um, national championship talk anyway. So I feel like that's why they said national championship in the article. Uh, but I, I see the Big Ten coming back. They don't want to miss this money on having the opportunity to play the same time everyone else plays. Mm -hmm. So I, I see them coming back before October 10th. It's going to be interesting to see, bro. I seen this pop up last week, and we talked about it a little bit before. We are talking about uh, Justin Fields and if his – Excuse me. If his uh, petition worked, because he came out with a petition a couple of weeks ago, and I'm like, damn, did his petition kind of shake the room type shit? I don't I, know. I feel like it did. I feel like it shook, shook the room a little bit. Mm, okay. It's going to be it definitely going to be that goes That goes with how a lot of the players were doing the hashtag, we want to play. And mm -hmm. I feel like the we want to play hashtag played a big part, too. So Could be. But we did get a couple opt-outs, a couple of big opt-outs in the SEC, bro. So Jamar Chase, who is projected to be a top five pick, number one wide receiver prospect, has opted out from LSU. He said he don't want to go through the struggle. He already a top five pick. Why, why even risk it? So he has opted out from LSU. And also Georgia quarterback Jamie Newman has opted out of the season. He was supposed to be their Georgia starting quarterback coming into this season. Now he is done and said he's going to prepare for the NFL draft. Edgar, how do you feel like these losses will hinder these teams? Let me just say this. Florida has no excuse. None. University of Florida Gators have no excuse to lose to Georgia this year. I don't want to hear any reason. I don't want to see any reason oh, why we lose to Georgia. So let me just say that because Georgia, is, they're, they're in the hole now. Like They, they have no reason to think they're going to win anything this year. Uh, LSU with Jamar Chase, I feel – I mean, I spoke my piece already on how I feel certain players should handle coming back or not. Jamar Chase is like, I agree. He's going to be a top five draft pick automatically. But I feel like it's a case-by-case -case scenario. Like I said, do you want to take that risk of missing out on one more year of building film on yourself and just go with the stock that you already have for yourself? Or do you want to add on to that stock? So I, I feel like you can't get higher. You can't get higher than what he's at because other than yeah, because yeah, because other than Trevor Lawrence and probably Fields and I want to say it was an offensive tackle in the mock draft I was looking at. He was like up there, like he was top of third, third or fourth pick in the draft. So you really can't get no higher than where he was. So when he get, when he opted out, I was like, I'm surprised he didn't do it earlier. Honestly, I'm surprised he yeah. didn't do it earlier. With other players that we were talking about, we were just talking about first round. Like, the first round is – that's a lot of picks for the first round. Mm -hmm. If you opt out and 
you're like you're projected to go first round, but like let's say you're projected to go to the bottom of the first round, not playing that last season, that could affect you dropping into the next round. I mean, you're gonna get drafted at the end of the day, but just your draft stock value in general, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But in this in this rare case where you're Jamar Chase, top five automatically, like I wouldn't be mad if you didn't play. But yeah. if you if you're just looking at it like I know I'm gonna get drafted, but you're not sure where you're gonna get drafted, no, nah, you need to play. Yeah. And that's why a lot of players are coming back and are willing to fight through this pandemic because they want to enhance their film. That's why a lot of people are risking it right now. And even though I don't agree with it, even though I don't think it's the smartest decision, I understand it. Because if you go to a school and your goal is the NFL, niggas are trying to go through hell. Yeah, Yeah, as much film as possible. Exactly. Niggas are trying to go through hell or high water to get to that dream. So I understand it. Like I said, I don't think it's the smartest decision, but I understand it at the end of the day on why there are risking it to get to the NFL. I, I do understand that at the end of the day. All right, bro. Let's move on to what social media wants to know. First- oh, before we do that, I actually had um, had a uh, cool article that I just pulled up. It was uh, they gave the 2020 highest paid athletes in the world. I don't know if you saw this. They just dropped it. Uh, top 10 athletes in the world. This shocked me. It really did. Because <laughs> one, it's going to be one name on here that you're going to be like, how <laughs> it might be two names roger federer was number one at 106.3 mil uh this this is just from their sports i believe i don't feel like obviously it's not a all-around salary it's just from their sports but roger federer is at number one with 106 mil Cristiano ronaldo number two with, with 105 lionel messi number three with 104 neymar number four with 95 and a half LeBron at number five with 88.2. Steph at six with 74.4. KD at seven with 63.9. Tiger Woods at number eight with 62.3. And Kirk Cousins at number nine with 60.5. And Carson Wentz at number 10 with 59.1. Did not expect Carson Wentz to be in the top 10 highest paid athletes in the world. Did not expect I didn't expect Carson Wentz, but I did expect Kirk Cousins because that nigga been getting paid the past few years. Oh, yeah, I knew Kirk Cousins was going to be on there, but yeah, Carson Kirk. Wentz did not expect that at all. How is he getting paid so much? If he's on there, damn, Jared Goff should be on there. <laughs> How is, uh, what you call it? Um, damn. Wow, really drawing a blank. Just signed the biggest baseball contract in history. Oh, Mookie Betts. Are they going off net worth? What are they going off of? Like, I really you... think they're just going off they they um their actual like oh the contract that they have right now. I feel like that's what they're going off of. LeBron it was at what eighty eight? Ah, yeah. 85? They got to be going off his basketball contract. They can't be going off of like anything else. They must be taking out taxes. Then are they taking out taxes? <laughs> I'm not sure. I feel like they are, bro, because I think LeBron signed like a hundred and thirty something million dollar contract when he signed with the Lakers. So they must be taking out taxes. Got it. Got it. So they must they be taking the taxes. Okay, that that makes sense. Then that makes sense. So eighty eight makes sense. Oh my gosh! Like Harp Harper? That's all they do. Are you talking about? Oh, uh, oh! My play for God. the Angels. Play for the Angels. Yes, like who? Who? Oh my gosh! I got to look at their roster because I feel like I know his name. I know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I do too. Oh, yeah, I don't even know. Brad Bryce Harper? That's what you talking about? Bryce Harper, yes, yes, Bryce, Bryce Harper. Harper. I don't know. I don't know why I thought his name. No, was. but it's yeah. but it's somebody else for the Angels though. 
Bryce Harper don't play for the Angels. It's somebody else. What's his Trout? Mike Trout. That's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Trout. That's what my bad baseball fans. Like I, I, <laughs> I drew a blank so bad. I knew who I was talking about, but I just forgot. But yeah, Mike Trout. I'm surprised. Oh Mike yeah, he should be up there. He I don't know how he got in the top ten. That was crazy to me. Yeah. Wow. I'm is that at just for list. a year or is that? It's oh, from it's... June 2019 to May 2020. That, oh, so it's just the year. Yeah, just the year. Oh, okay, okay. So that is LeBron contract. That's in, that's endorsements too then. That's endorsements too. Okay. Oh, I'm like, okay. I'm like, LeBron damn near a millionaire. Like, I mean, oh, a billionaire. LeBron damn near touching a bill. So I'm like, this got to be just their basketball, their soccer contract. It's got to be just that. It yeah, it's, it's that an endorsement. That's what they're going off of. Because I think LeBron getting like 30 in a contract, and he probably getting 50 in endorsements, honestly. So that's probably what it is. Okay. So that's probably why Wentz is up there. Wentz probably getting that money from football, and he probably got some endorsements that we don't know about with Gatorade or something. That's why they're putting him in that upper echelon of, damn. True. I ain't know I'm he was not, eating like that off the field, though. I'm not surprised by the first um, three names, though. Federer. I knew Federer was going to be top three. And I knew Ronaldo was going to be top three. And Messi up there too? Yeah, Messi was number three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, about, that sound about right. That sound about right. Yeah. I heard Messi was trying to get traded though. Something I was seeing the other day. Mm-hmm. Trying to get traded from the team that he was at now. Oh, uh, all right. Let's move on to what social media wants to know. First question, is Steph and Clay the best backcourt of all time? Undoubtedly. Yep. Easily. No competition. I don't even yeah. know why. Yeah. Yeah, I posted this on Twitter yesterday, bro, and it was real. It's real. It's really been mixed messages, <laughs> cause I posted this yesterday, and it was like fifty-fifty at first. It was like, yeah, they might be, they might not be, and then it was like, no, really, ran away with it. So it's like niggas was like, I no, was like, whoa, I was like, nah, we gotta, re- <laughs> gotta redo this, bro. And then I posted like three of the top backcourts of all time. So it was like Michael Cooper and Magic Johnson. Uh, who else? It was uh, damn, what am I thinking? It was obviously Stephen Clay and Joe Dumars and Isaiah Thomas uh, was the third one. Yeah. yeah, and then when I posted that, it was like 100% in polls for Stephen Clay. So I'm like, damn, what are niggas trying to tell me? I'm going to check it again. Yeah, bro. And I want to say it was a small sample size for the second poll. But for the first one, it was like 50 votes. Wow, it's still 100%. That's crazy. Still 100%. So Stephen, so Stephen Clay, yeah. I'm going to ride with the people. The people telling me it's Stephen Clay, so I'm going to say Stephen Clay. And I couldn't really think of anybody else either, bro. Honestly, even, I, I really couldn't. Like that's Because <laughs> I had looked it up this morning because I know I knew Isaiah and Joe were definitely up there, but I was like, what is the third? Like, I really couldn't tell you a third. But they said I'm Magic Johnson and Michael Cooper, so I just threw them in there. But I was like, I don't know about all that. I don't know too much about Michael Cooper. So I'll say Stephen Clay, most definitely. And the next one is... Who would you build a team around, bro? With all this young talent in the NBA that we have today, bro, who would you build a team around? It's funny because I was looking at a podcast. I think it was J.J. Reddick podcast, and they had D'Angelo Russell on. And D'Angelo Russell said he would build a team around Bam out of bio. If you had to pick anybody in the league, he would say he would do Bam. So who would you build a team around, bro? Bam is a good I, – I wouldn't even thought of Bam. So shout out to D'Lo for saying that. that that's a good option. But – Jason Tatum, Luca or Jason Tatum, but I'll say Tatum first. I usually like to start my team off with a point guard, 
Hmm. What I say, Luca? I think I would say Luca, bro. He just he just a little he just a little too dominant just to pass on. You feel what I'm saying? But it it would be between them two for like the the top the top ones. Yeah. But it, damn. But that bear one was one that definitely caught me off guard. I was like, damn. Man, yeah. that's a good pick because oh, Bam yeah, is something. Bam. Yeah, Bam is somebody who is all around who can give you so much defensively that we don't even think about. Because with those two, with Luca and Tatum, we don't even think about defensive end most of the time. Like we think about, we think about all offense. But when it comes to uh, Bam, you got the, you got the, you got the oop option. He's starting to get a little mid range game now. He can guard one through five. You know what I'm saying? He's a defensive anchor in the pace. He's giving you blocks and steals. It's like. It's a lot of reasons why you should go with Bam and then just build around Bam like that, just with some shooters or with a dynamic point. I don't know. But it's so easy to build around him because he fits into everything. With with Luka Doncic, you would literally have to build a team around him. It's, it wouldn't be seamless like it would be for Bam. You have to build an entire system around Luka. You feel what I'm saying? Tatum is more of a – Tatum is easier because he's somebody who can fit in wherever he That's can fit in. That's why I said Tatum first. Tatum yeah. is a little bit easier than Luka. Yeah, he's easier to play with. But Luca is somebody who's going to dominate the ball at all times. Like, he's like, just like Braun. He's just like a harder. He's going to dominate the ball at all times. You know where the ball is going to be. Yeah, he, he that point player. So. Yeah. But with Bam and Tatum, they, they can really get in where they fit in. So, uh, I, would say, I would still rock out with Luca, bro. But that Bam one was one that just caught me completely off guard, bro. And I, and I, and I like that question, bro. So, shout out to them. Whoa, I just got an update that Steve Nash tried to hire Dirk to get on his coaching staff. But it, says, but it says Dirk isn't ready to return to the game full time. Damn. That man said I'm off, bro. Dirk <laughs> <laughs> said I'm off, bro. And this is, oh, this is something I want to say. Because I would have never pictured Steve Nash as a coach, bro. That's something that still catches me off guard. I, I, I would have never thought that Steve Nash would have at least wanted it. to be a coach. I can see it. I can definitely see it. If you would have told me, bro, five years ago, yeah, Steve Nash would have been a coach. I'd be like, nah, he that type of nigga that be chilling on the beach, like he gonna just live his <laughs> life and just do what he want to do. Like I would have never said Steve Nash. That's what I see for Dirk. Honestly, I see that with Dirk. I don't see yeah. Dirk being a coach at all. Steve Nash, I can see that, but Dirk, nah, Dirk, Dirk just look too chill. Dirk, like, bro, real I'm deal. Play or I'm going home. Like, <laughs> that's real deal, bro. <laughs> I found out Dirk got a black wife. I was like, Dirk got a black wife. Dirk got you a black. Found wife. Huh? You just found that out? Yeah. There's no way. There's no way you just found that out. Did I just find this out? There's no way. This man over his entire when is on when he retired? Probably when he retired. This man's been over his entire career. He's been coming to basketball games with aluminum foil plates. You didn't think about. <laughs> you didn't think about. You were paying attention to that nigga plates, nigga. Every game meal, every time it was wrapped in aluminum foil. I was like. You got a black wife. Man, I wasn't thinking about no damn before. I, I literally, I was, do you know what she looked like, though? You know what she looked like? Uh, I ain't seen her recently. But I, seen, I, I seen what she looked like, and I was like, oh. I wasn't disappointed, I wasn't disappointed at all. But I was, I was like, I never seen her before. And I, when I seen her, I was like, damn, okay. But yeah, I wasn't paying attention to no place. I only seen that lady one time. Let me see. <laughs> oh, yeah. She bad. Yeah, so I'm like, damn, Dirt really got one, right? Yeah, I was I was like, the way you coming with aluminum foil plates every game. Like that's <laughs> that's definitely like our culture type stuff. <laughs> I was like, it's something it's something happening that I gotta investigate. 
All right, bro. We can move on to the entertainment portion of this podcast. First one, bro, is about chat with Bozeman. Like we said, RIP to the GOAT. But should Black Panther be retired, man? It was a lot of conversation on the TL. It was like Black Panther don't recast it. But I've also seen some good ideas about what they should do next, bro. So what do you think should happen with that series? I ain't even going to lie. I'm kind of upset that we're even having this conversation right now because dude just passed. So I feel like – and we're, on a, we're in a pandemic right now. Like, I don't even think – they had to push Black Widow back till next year. So Marvel ain't even really dropping nothing right now. I feel like we just need to chill. Don't even worry about all that stuff right now. But since it's the topic of conversation now, I feel like they should just try to follow the comic book as best they can. Killmonger is dead, so everybody's saying Michael B. Jordan need to come back and Killmonger need to come back. No, he's dead. He's gone. That character is done. Um, plus, it just it would be stupid as hell for them to bring him back to life somehow, some way. That would just be terrible filming. But I feel like Shuri, his little sister, she should take the mantle and do like in the comic books because that's what happened anyway. When T'Challa died, it was passed on to her, basically. So I feel like that's the best thing to do if they want to continue with Black Panther, which I feel they should. I don't feel like they should just exclude that arc from Marvel. I feel like that would be a dis that would be a disjustice to um chat with Bozeman. I've been real on the fence with it, bro, because I've been yeah, that that's a good idea with the cause that that's the one that I would lean towards is his his sister getting it, getting the Black Panther tag. But then I was like, damn, bro, they might just have to end it, bro, because the way he did it was just so great, bro. And why would you want somebody to replace his legacy? You know what I'm saying? But it's not why would really you want somebody to be recasted for that? It's not really. I don't see it as replacing him. I just feel like the same way Spider-Man is becoming the new Iron Man, in a sense, like the way Tony passed the torch to Spider-Man, and I feel like the way cap passed the torch on to the falcon to be the next captain america and stuff like that i feel like that's what's going to happen with um with black panther it's like the mantle is being passed now but we wouldn't be able to see it on screen with the spider-man and with the iron man we kind of seen it on screen like the passing of the torch being that he's there right now we really can't see it on screen the passing of the torch so it's really gonna have to be like some jump cut type shit and we just see shory in like a black panther costume so it's like it's not really a good transition and a lot of people... It's Marvel. They, they'll know how to they'll, do it. They'll, they'll make something work. But this is what I was saying was, a lot of people were like, yeah, we need our black superheroes, so don't kill it. Don't kill it off. Don't kill a black yeah. Panther. I agree. Off in general. But I was like, can't we just come up as a community, come up with another black hero that can be just as great as Black Panther so we can let that legacy be and then make something... I don't know what it can be. It don't have to be based on no comics. Just make a black superhero like that can be something like that. I don't feel like we should kill off Black Panther, bro. I get it. He's gone. Not kill off Black Panther. Just leave his legacy what it is. I ain't saying you kill him off. Yeah, but it's like you got Wakanda. You got the the feeling that Wakanda gave so many black people. Like, we've seen a utopia for black people with the movie Black Panther. Like, that was the first time, like, little kids, like, of this generation really seen a superhero and say, damn, like, this is what we could be if we were this type of people. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like the, the legacy of Wakanda, the legacy of what Black Panther stood for, I feel like we should keep that alive. Like, even if it is a different person being Black Panther, we should just take it for what it is. I don't want people trying to say 
they don't play Black Panther the same way Chadwick did. I don't like – no, don't compare it to Chadwick. Just understand that what he did was what he did, and now we're moving on with what's to come. I feel like that's the attitude people should have with it. I think, I think we should make something new, man. I feel like it should be way more black superheroes. And that's, what, and, and that's the point that I was bringing up the other day because uh, so many people were so against that fact of just making another superhero. Like, it doesn't have to be based on a comic. Some people, so many people are comic driven. Like, if it ain't based on a comic, like, no, he can't make it. I think so many black people fall into the trap of Meteor Man. And they're like, man, the last black superhero we see was Meteor Man. And that wasn't uh, a great, you know, say on screen performance. But we can we have come so far since those days to make something that can give you the same feeling as a Black Panther, bro. You feel what I'm saying? But it doesn't have to be make up a superhero today, and he could be raw as fuck. Like that's what I'm saying, <laughs> and that's what I'm saying, bro. Like we can make another superhero that can be just as great and give little kids that same feeling. But you can leave Chadwick's position to be just Chadwick's position. Right. You know what I'm saying? It can, the, the new position or the new character they come up with can give kids the same energy, the same hope, or the same whatever that they got from that film. But you just leave Chadwick's position and his legacy alone and let him go with that. Like, the Black Panther is Jack, Chadwick Boseman. And that's how I feel it. Just watching that movie, it's just like, man, every time you looked at Chadwick Boseman, it was just like, that's the Black Panther. And you just knew that was the Black Panther. It ain't, it ain't nobody else the Black Panther. It ain't nobody else we know as the Black Panther. So I don't even want, even his sister, I don't even want to see that being Black Panther. And I wouldn't want to see anybody else in that role because nah, Black Panther is Chadwick. I want to see it just because that superhero is so iconic, bro. Like, that's the, that was, like, even back then in the comics when it first came out, that was the first Black superhero that was, like, really not a side superhero, not like a sidekick superhero, nobody. That was, like, the first Black superhero that actually, like this my shit like i'm in charge type shit so mm-hmm. i feel like we got to keep that we have to keep that superhero going while adding other black superheroes at the same time i can see that yeah we were like yeah just kind of the day agree to disagree on that one man because yeah but shout out to, like i said bro rp praying for his family most definitely bro definitely going through a pain but let's just talk about him Filming all these films while going through cancer, my G. Like, that is crazy. And it tells you, like, his passion that he had for his craft as well, right? Fighting through cancer and and still getting to the position and doing the movies. It's like, man. And not playing stereotypical black roles. Like, a lot of people in Hollywood early in his career was calling him difficult, was calling him hard to work with because he didn't want to be a stereotypical black person. Like, one of the first acting roles he had on a TV show like they wanted him to play a, a disgruntled black man who father was out of his life, who mother was on drugs and stuff like that. He was like, why do we always have to play those type of characters? You know, and I commend him for that because he got fired like immediately when he tried to stand against playing that type of character. Mm-hmm. And to see him grow into playing Jackie Robinson at 42 and seeing him playing third good Marshall and seeing him playing a, uh, in the five bloods in the new spike lee movie that came out this year like his range was incredible he was playing heroes like he was like no i'm gonna play black people that i'm gonna i'm gonna act as black people who we need to look up to not the stereotypical stuff that we always see mm-hmm. yeah oh man oh man Rest in peace, though. Rest in peace. A lot of people only know him for Black Panther. I'm like, I remember when this dude came out as Jackie. I knew him for 40. I knew him for 42. That's what I knew him. I, I didn't see him in that James Brown. A lot of people knew him from that James Brown. Oh, yeah, James Brown. Yeah. yeah. 
I didn't watch that movie though, but I seen people know him from that. But uh, yeah, the first movie I knew him from was definitely 42 though. That was the first one. All right, bro. Let's move on to that Brandy and Monica, bro. How did you feel about that, bro? I seen you all on Facebook I going crazy it. over the shit. I loved it. I was in my emotions the whole time. I told y'all Monica was going to win. Like, I told y'all that was going to happen. I didn't listen. I didn't watch. You ain't watch it? You missed I, I never. I never watch Verses. Like, <laughs> I never you do. You missed out, bro. That was one that I watched. I don't watch all of them, but that was one. I was like, I got to watch this one. And Monica, mm-hmm. she came through, bro. Brandy came through, too. And Brandy had some nice poems. Like, she took poem breaks where she just wrote stuff down and, like, gave poems. So, it was a good battle. It was good energy. Uh... I just feel like at the end of the day, we we all agree. Me, you, Derek, and D. Hen, like Monica had more hits. I feel like that's what it was. Brandy has the better voice and she provides more soul, but Monica, her hits were more recognizable. So most definitely, but it, it was my, a great battle nonetheless. My whole TL was filled with Monica shit, bro. They was talking about how Monica was looking at Brandy, bro. We bro, didn't Monica even talk, bro. Monica, bro. Baby. We didn't even talk about that on the last podcast. I forgot they had beef. I for real did forgot they had B, bro. We didn't even talk about that, but man, Monica let us know from the beginning that they still, you know what I'm saying? It's still some beef there, some tension. Monica from Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> Monica is shady, dog. That's just her personality. It's, she don't even be rude. Like, you know how just some people just like, they just talk like they throwing shade all the time. That's just how Monica talks. So I'm just like, get used to it. <laughs> nah, she was throwing shade. It don't matter where she was from. She was throwing shade at Brandy. Was, bro, Brandy was vibing. Bro, I seen this video. Brandy was vibing to all of her, uh, all of Monica music. Monica, Monica was vibing to like, none of her shit. I don't know this song. <laughs> Somebody said that. Somebody said <laughs> Monica was like, girl, I don't know your music. <laughs> <laughs> I died laughing. I was like, damn, bro. It was so much disrespect in that damn uh, in that verse <laughs> battle. Like I said, I didn't even watch it, but it was so my TL was filled with it, it. It was cordial though. It was it was good energy, even though you felt shadiness at times. It was like they they holding it together and they making it a good vibe. So I liked it. And shout out to all the people that was watching. One point uh, two million, Jesus. Bro, Michelle Obama was watching. Like that's when I somebody tried to be slick and say Beyonce was watching. I was scrolling through the views. I was like, let Beyonce be watching this live. I was like, that's crazy. You can see who watching. Mm-hmm. In oh, the comments, man. like to show you who joined and who comment and all that. Oh, <laughs> oh shit. But yeah, bro, I heard uh, Monica dropped a new song. Like she was really real smart about that yeah, jump. Your little baby, Trenches. yeah. And it's <laughs> slaps. I'm telling y'all, this, 2020 was little baby year. I'm telling yeah, y'all, it was. It was, bro. And I seen a lot of people still talking about that Fantasia shit, too. So I'm, I'm expecting that to be soon. I'm expecting that to be soon. I don't know when they're going to announce it, though. But I think one they did announce or are going to announce is Akon versus T-Pain. I don't know if they announced it yet. T-Pain winning that off real. For sure. <laughs> For sure. I only know I really two Akon songs, really. It's that Locked Up. Locked Up and... Akon got features. Akon don't really got songs like that. He has features. T-Pain. He has a couple features with T Pain. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, like T Pain, that, that's that's one sided. They better yeah, not do that. It is. It's very one sided. It's very <laughs> one sided. <laughs> bro, we got too much nostalgia with Pain. They, they were saying who uh, Keisha Cole gonna go against that. Somebody said Ashanti. Somebody was like Keisha Cole should have went up against Monica, and uh, Brandy should have went up against Ashanti. Ooh, Keisha Cole, Monica. But Monica not gonna go again. Oh no, nah, she ain't going again. I was just saying. Uh, like, so they go. So they gonna have to do. So they gonna have to do a shanti. Yeah. Or Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys will wax her ass, but still. Alicia Cole. 
I don't get the same kind of well. You don't really get the same vibe with Monica and Brandy all the time either. So, That's what I'm saying. That wasn't the same vibe at all. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, Alicia Keys will wax up. It was Alicia Keys and uh, Keisha Cole. Alicia Keys will wax up, my boy. She would win, but wax? I'm not going to say that. Name five Ashanti hits. Ashanti hits? Oh, you talking about Ashanti? I thought you were talking about Keisha Cole. Did I say Keisha Cole? Oh, yeah. I did say Keisha Cole. Damn, I'm still thinking like, about the Shanti. I, <laughs> I was like, you, you said two different. So that's, hey, so look, that's what that's why that's why the Keisha Cole and the Shanti one ain't good anyway. Because shit, I couldn't even name you five of Shanti songs if I'm keeping it bean. Fool, foolish. I, I suck at name. I suck at name a song off the top of my head. I really. But yeah, that's what that's what I meant though. So I said Ashanti, but I meant uh, so Keisha Cole. So Keisha like, Cole. If I really, bro, if I really scroll through and look, like I can pick up songs easier. If you're not in the list of artists that I listen to every day. I can't just pick 10 songs for you easily like that. So Yeah. At least Mary, not 10, 10 like versus songs. Like I can name songs, but 10 songs I would compete you with. Like, mm-hmm. no, I gotta actually look and scroll for that. Boy. I heard somebody saying trying to bring up Mary J in the conversation. Do y'all understand? Let me let me put my glasses down. Do y'all understand that Mary J will kill anybody in a versus battle? Do not throw the queen of R and B in any of these verses, she will wax anybody. Please don't throw her in this. Please don't. Mary J. Regardless, she will be anybody. They were trying to tell you, no, nah, Mary should go up against Monica, huh? Well, Mary J. winning that. Oh, Mary it's not close. Yeah, Mary J. winning that. It's That's not close. I'm, I'm trying to think who would even compete with her, bro. Badu, Badu is probably the only person that could compete that could compete with Mary J. That is it, and I'm and I rock with Badu. But I would yeah. still rock with Mary J though. Mary J is just one of those artists that you just she one of them people that you not beating. Like Kanye, Drake, Wayne, Mary J. Blige, like them people you just you not beating. Yeah. Yeah. All right, bro. Let me let, let, let's get to this topic real quick. Should the NFL drop EA? So it was a lot of complaints, bro, about man, Madden been the same game for ages. I don't know why y'all keep buying the game, but it's been the same year. That's the only reason. <laughs> I, I promise you, if I could buy, if I could have bought Madden 18 and they just update the rosters every year, I never would have bought Madden again. I promise. <laughs> like, but we really just buy it every year, so we got for the paying sixty dollars for a roster update, and I, and I and people are getting sick of it at this point, bro. They want to see new innovation, they want to see new game modes, but Madden sticks with the same thing every day, uh, every year. So I, I seen a hashtag that was going around, a big hashtag. It was hashtag NFL Drop EA. Because EA has the exclusive rights to the NFL and all of their players. Mm. So should the NFL make a change with their gaming modes, bro? I feel like they, they did, though, this year with Madden 21. They got the yard on there, which is damn near like... I'm saying, should they switch to 2K? or should, Well, should they I feel like we should wait and see. We should wait and see how Madden 21 goes. I'll give... Right now, I'm seeing a couple negative reviews for Madden 21 because of the gameplay. But... Mm. I want to give Madden 21 a few months. I want to wait till the PS5 come out. I want to wait. I'll wait until, like, the summer until I decide if Madden 21 was a hit or not. Because so. they're getting the lowest reviews they have ever gotten, bro. They're getting the lowest reviews. Like I said, people are getting tired of seeing the same shit every year. Yeah, oh, they try I to throw the same shit in. I want to wait till the new consoles come out, and I want to wait till majority of everybody. Because not that many people got Madden 21 right now. I don't even got Madden 21 yet. So Don't get it. Bro, it's the same thing with 2K, bro. I was that's all I used to play was 2K and Madden. 
Facts. 2K Madden, I used to play Call of Duty all the time. Like, doing my three games. I used to play Halo back in the day, way, way back in the day. I used to play Halo. But I had sold my, not sold it, but I gave away my Xbox One, bro, because it's just like I'm getting the same thing every year for the same game modes and for the same shit, but just with a roster update, it's like, what am I buying the game for? It's no point no more. It's really no point. I've been telling people, like, my friend Caleb, uh, who I be hanging out with up there, he was like, bro, like, I need to start playing different games because all I play is Madden and 2K and that's about it. I'm like, bro, you got to start playing, like, one-player games or your fighting games and stuff like that because I got Spider-Man. I got uh, Jump Force. Jump Force is raw. That's, like, one of the rawest fighting games you can ever play because it got – well, I'm into anime, so that's why I say that. But, mm-hmm. um, like, just playing games that you usually don't play. If you don't play Call of Duty, try buying a Call of Duty game and playing that, you know, so – you got to expand your playing horizons. Because if all you play is sports games, you're going to be pissed off after, like, three years. Yeah. But I feel, bro, though, because growing up, that's all you play. Like, I wasn't even – I was never interested in playing Call of Duty. Like I said, Halo a little bit, but I was never interested in any of that. Me, me and Titan, we played everything. We played all – we bought Dragon Ball Z games all the time. We bought uh, sports games all the time. Like, Sonic the Hedgehog. Like, we played all that type of stuff. We played so many different types of games growing up. So, that's why – I'm real diverse with how I play video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bro, I never been diverse, dog. Back, back in the back, way back in the day, I used to have Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon video games. That's that was the Xbox days. So that tell you how long ago that was, bro. So I ain't, I haven't diversified my shit in a long, long time, bro. Long time. But yeah, bro, I think they should switch though. They should switch to 2K at least to give us some type of switch up. And this is why I think they're not getting any, any improvement from the game. Because they have no competition. When you have no competition, your shit can t- stay the same and niggas going to keep buying it. When you have competition, that's when shit starts to change. And it's funny because that's what happened to NBA Live, bro. NBA Live was the game to play until 2K was the competition. And right. 2K started running away with everything. So if I think if 2K can get some type of rights to the NFL, I but think... they were saying that, though. They were saying 2K is trying to get rights to, um, to uh, make football games again. To the yeah. caliber of Madden. That's what I'm saying. If 2K can get it, because 2K going to go all out with the story mode and all that shit, they would go crazy with that mode. And they would probably get me to buy the game or buy a system again. So 2K would probably push past the EA, what EA is doing right now. You know what I'm saying? But they need some type of competition because it's too, it's too mad for years. Like since Madden 2012, like shit was just the same. Just a little improvements in gameplay. It really was. The, the graphics... I'll say since 2017, the graphics have stayed the same. Uh, from 2012 to 2017, you saw the graphics getting better. But from 2017 till now, the graphics ain't really got that much better. It's just more clear. Yeah, that's just – it's really just the change in system because from that time period, that was like the PS3 to the PS4. So that's what, that's really why the improvement is happening. That's another reason why I say I'm going to hold off on my Madden reviews because until I get the PS5, I don't want to break that game just yet. So. But but how much can you really tell the difference between PS4 and PS5? It's like the graphics are so already so great. How can you really go up from there? You feel what I'm saying? So it's like even if you get the PS5, what are they, are, are they going to be just like more sweatier? Just like 2K <laughs> trying to play us with 2K trying to hit us with more sweaty flares? Like I don't that, know. That's really what 2K was doing with that. Zion first, <laughs> I was like, so they're gonna sweat more. <laughs> Bro, I, I heard 2K came out or. It's coming out. I seen something that Ronnie 2K yeah. had tweeted out. So 2K came out this week. I don't know if it came out this week, but 
by the end of the month, 2K should be out. Oh, okay. Because so, I seen him tweet out something. I thought 2K had came out. I was like, damn, it came out sooner than usual. But, damn. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, by, yeah, by the end of the month or first week of October, I think 2K should be out. That's usually when it come out. Yeah, that's usually when it come out. All right, bro. Get on to the past the Ox segment, bro. So, what's the song of the week, bro? What you got for the week? Uh, oh, Let's Do It by Lil Wayne off of No Ceilings. No, uh, no Ceilings is now on all streaming platforms, just to let y'all know. Shout out to Wayne for doing that. He did that because he will be releasing No Ceilings 3 in the very near future. He hasn't given the date yet, but in honor of him putting No Ceilings on streaming platforms now, I don't got to go to YouTube no more, so I've been playing Oh, Let's Do It a lot lately. <laughs> That's Oh, Let's Do It. Hey, oh, that was a remix, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Gotta go to YouTube for all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. I did see that. It did get on Apple Music, though. I said. So shout out to Wayne. Wayne trying to get some little money. But I see you. I see Bro, you, Wayne. Wayne has put out the best music of his career for free. Mm-hmm. You better get that check now, though. All right, mine is Florida Boy by Rick Ross, uh, T-Pain, and Kodak. Yeah. Funking that a lot this week. Been funking that a lot this week, bro. So that's definitely that's all it is. <laughs> it's the Florida in you. <laughs> For sure. T-Pain ate on that song, though. That shit was crazy, bro. T- and just going back to that T-Pain, T-Pain Akon conversation, bro. Did you listen to T-Pain's recent album that he just dropped, like, last year in 2019? Mm. That shit was good. So it's like, man, it's a lot of people that can't even compete with T-Pain of today. So how do you think you're going to compete with T-Pain of 2007, 2006? It's just like, man, he's still, he still one of them. T-Pain a Florida legend. He a music legend in general. music but legend, when, my G. When you talk about Florida, most definitely you have to mention T-Pain. And when I made that list last year of that, that viral tweet of all the Florida people, like people was like tripping on the people I named. Like you put T-Pain and you didn't put this one. I'm like, do y'all understand that T-Pain is like, He's the reason auto tune is as big as it is that he has gotten. Like, yeah, I mean, back in the day, you had um songs like Computer Love with auto tune and all that, but those was like once every now and then situations. Like, no, T Pain got it to the point where now, like, like niggas put auto tune on half of their songs on their albums. Like, Flat. he had that effect. Yeah, and he don't even use auto tune like he used to, bro. Just his vocals alone. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Like, he really hides his talent behind the auto tune. <laughs> like he can really sing for real. And he, he's one of the kings of collaborations. Like you can't name a top ten collaboration and not name T Pain. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I would definitely advise y'all listen to that. Um, what was it, bro? It's the one where everybody be sitting down. It's like a little uh, like they have a little band behind them. Is it N- NMR NMR radio or some shit like that? I think just it's T Pain. Yeah, it'll yeah. Type in T Pain like in the NMR T Pain NMR. And y'all should see it, bro. Like, that was fantastic. No auto-tune, just his voice. My right. G. He giving it to you, bro. Because that song, Drinking Partner by T-Pain, that nigga was just singing? Fantastic. Fantastic, <laughs> my nigga. But yeah, bro, that is the podcast for this week. Hey, hit it with the social media. You can follow us on Twitter at QE Podcast One. You can follow us on Instagram at Q underscore and underscore E underscore podcast. You can follow and like our Facebook page, Q and sign E Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Q and sign E Podcast. Click the notification bell and hit all so you can see anytime we drop. Shout out to Blue Collar Media Sports and MTMV Sports. Our email, Q A N D E Podcast at gmail.com. 
Uh, we answer all business inquiries, fan mail, uh, hate mail, if you got hate mail. <laughs> um, but Quincy's Twitter is Q underscore Hicks 3. Mine is Edgar Martin 97. Quincy's Instagram is Q Hicks Production. Mine is Edgar Martin Official. Yes, and you can definitely subscribe to us on all of our podcast platforms. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our Heart Radio. So subscribe to us over there. And subscribe to me on YouTube as well, man. Type in Quincy Hicks to the search bar, and you, I will be the first name. Definitely hit that subscribe button, bro. We appreciate y'all for listening, and I'm out. Are we out? Peace. <laughs>